Greetings and salutations. You are listening to the Into the North podcast, where we take a look at the competitive side of the Commander format, also known as CEDH. I'm one of your hosts, Lyndon, aka Noobsource, and today I'm joined by my co-hosts, Matt, aka Null. Hello, everyone. Reed, aka Sick Robot. What's up? And Morgan, aka Spleenface. How's it going? And in this episode, we are going to be covering a Modern Horizons 2 slash very mini Strixhaven set discussion, not review, because that's a meaningful difference, apparently. We're not going to be covering the full set of anything that's playable. We're only going to be talking about cards that we want to talk about. Um, but that does go down, you know, from the top end down to like the, the bottom end. But, you know, it's not comprehensive or anything um but yeah before we get into that uh what have you guys been up to since the last episode uh well, since the last one i was gonna say all, i can i can, I can say it's been a couple a couple episodes since i've i've last been on uh we had our special episode and uh guest episode and so i was like okay well i guess now it's you know i gotta, gotta shake off the rust oh i guess um, i've i've just been sort of stuck in the uh in the like guest episode and special episode loop huh yeah Reed stuck yeah. in the podcast. Yeah, and just can't get out. Yep. <laughs> Nathan, sorry, but Reed was stuck. <laughs> no, 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 no. I was shaper, shaper. You know, thanks for coming on, but Reed was stuck. <laughs> oh man! Imagine not apologizing to Taro. God, Morgan. I mean, so I, I stopped the joke, but I would have. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, for myself mainly, I've uh, been ordering some new cards, brewing some decks, jamming some games, uh, continuing to work on my. Uh, Baral testing and refinement, and uh, that is a slog. There are so many cards that I would like to test, and you know, in order to test, you need a bunch of meaningful games. So, yeah, that's uh, if I had grind. if I had to describe Baral in a word, slog is a pretty good one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I'll say I, I, there's one funny anecdote. Um, I I opened a hand with a with like three lands and uh, Thassa's Oracle <laughs> and Paradigm Shift, <laughs> and uh, I just I I went land. Uh, land Baral, land Thassa's Oracle Paradigm Shift. I lost that game because people had open mana, and I, but I was like, I just <laughs> nope. have to do it. I have I to do it. And you I told you I had the Pyroblast. <laughs> I, I couldn't not do it though. That way, next time when that situation comes up, I won't have to because I've already tried it once. But uh, it's funny, yeah, Morgan or someone. I was like, would you take a turn one Urza win if you could? Talking to our friend Keegan, and uh, he's like, turn one and turn three are way different. And then Morgan was like. To be fair, turn three is <laughs> yeah. Baral's turn one. <laughs> yeah, it's no. actually no, that was fun. it is. Actually, it is. I will, like, I will say though, it's understandable how much of a slog it is to test cards in Baral because, like, once you get below the best like fifty cards in the deck, it, there's just such a wide range of like everything cards is so that similar. Can the rest because <laughs> they're all they're all so bad, but they're all like around the same level of bad that you just have to test all of them. Yeah. And in like a four or five hour night of CEDH games, you can get two. So yeah, like, <laughs> it's a struggle. Yeah, Brawl is the funniest CEDH deck. Yeah, dude, our, our listener hot take. Yeah, <laughs> that's, uh, that's funny. Uh, any anyone else have anything they've been up to? Or I have been playing a lot of games with with a deck that I won't mention yet. Um, but yet making yet. We'll, we'll Wait, did we put the, the Strixhaven card in our discussion? No, we're, we're going to talk about it as a bundle. Kind Spoiler of. alert. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've been playing a fair amount with uh, Lyndon and uh, Morgan and some of the QMTG crowd, um, just testing deck. 
making it do things, hopefully. You know. So how, 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 dude, a brawl and like trying to test decks into that meta is actually just. It's actually so because... rough because like I, like I'm done <laughs> testing within testing, the first yeah. five minutes and then I have to wait like another hour for a game. <laughs> hey, at least you get goldfishing. You get, you got time to goldfish. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're talking about Witherbroom Apprentice, right? That's it's the one. Of yep. Mm-hmm. Of <laughs> Save an all-star. Um, yeah, cool. Anyone else, or shall we move on? Let's let's move on. Yeah, cool. Let's, let's keep going. So without further ado, uh, let's jump into housekeeping. And in housekeeping, we always like to shout out our new patrons. And we have quite a few new patrons, which is awesome. Uh, we, we really appreciate it, guys. So thank you. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, so big shout outs to Stephen E. Espen O. Esper Lovegood. Maximilian M. And JC. Um, yeah. Thank you guys for the patron support. It means a lot. And uh, you guys rock. You, you really do rock. Cool, cool. Well, on to new developments, and then we can get into the, uh, the topic at hand. So we have one new development here. And I guess, Reed, this is uh, your area. Yep. Um, so it could not yet be out, potentially, by the time that this episode comes out. But it we should have had a new uh, decklist database update by the time this uh, episode comes out. So go check it out or wait a couple of days because it'll probably be out around that time anyway, um, even if it's not by the time that we get this episode out. Um, so... Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I would just like to say thanks to all of our new reviewers, because we brought on a whole new batch of reviewers, and they've been very helpful in giving us, you know, a wider breadth of, uh, of opinions on the decks and helping us just turn through our backlog, because um, I'm fairly sure the um, the set of submitted decks uh, for this review cycle was something like 189 or something like that, um, so well. much appreciated. Cool, so cool. you all you all get to live without the subtext of depending on how long it takes Morgan to edit this thing, there may or may not be a database update it's, before it's, this episode. This, this, this is now initiating a race between me and Sinestra and Morgan to see who can get out the update slash episode first. <laughs> Great. Nice. Okay, so on to the main topic, which is our Modern Horizons 2 um set discussion so we're going to be covering the strixhaven a couple strixhaven cards at the end but obviously there's far fewer of them than um the modern horizons stuff so let's yeah modern horizons 2 we're going to lead with some cards that we kind of structured it with um our medium discussion cards long discussion cards and then lower discussion cards for like pet decks and stuff so yeah we'll we'll start off on medium discussion uh so i'll let reed take this first card because uh Oh, yeah, sure. this feels like um, a U card. So, we got Unmarked Grave here, one in a black for a sorcery. Search your library for a non-legendary card, put that card into your graveyard, then shuffle. Um, so, I mean, I think the obvious and, like, potentially only, like, real, real use of this currently is in Hulk decks. Um, the non-legendary card sort of kills it for anything close to Razaketh or... Um, anything like that. Uh, it's like it's it's sort of reasonable for World Georgia Dragon, but I feel like World Georgia Dragon at this point is being more and more hybridized with cats anyway. There's like the Venn diagram of World Georgia Dragon decks and um, Razaketh decks are like almost just like a circle inside of a circle at this point, I think. Um, so pretty narrow use, but I think it's worth noting just as a card because, you know, like second to tomb effect 
opens up other strategies a bit more and gives you more stuff to work with in the event that you're playing a deck that just really wants an Entomb for some reason. Um, I know Varals loves it just because Varals has always just wanted a, another Entomb that wasn't buried alive, so yeah, it's nice to have it. <laughs> so it's, I'll say, because uh, yeah. people have, have asked about this card in Gitrog, so I'll just kind of give my two cents on this now. So, you know, we already run Entomb, and our main Entomb targets are Dakmore and Life from the Loam, so people are like, oh, well, you know, obviously we want a second Entomb. And Entomb for one mana instant speed um, versus two mana sorcery speed, uh, that, it actually is quite a big difference. The, um, you, don't, you don't really want this second Entomb because you, you can compare it to similar cards like Sylvan Scrying, um, where Sylvan Scrying can... So, so Unmarked Grave would mainly just get Dakmore and Life from the Loom, uh, which are fantastic, but you know, if you're looking at Sylvan Scrying, you're able to get uh, Dakmore, obviously. But then you can get things like uh, Cavern of Souls, Bazaar of Baghdad, um, you know, more mana or, or, or whatever. So the utility of something like Sylvan Scrying is much higher. And we're not even running Sylvan Scrying. So that's a good metric to use when comparing uh, or when looking at something like Unmarked Grave. And it's probably also more about like Unmarked Grave. The stuff that Unmarked Grave gets is only good post Git Rug, whereas like Sylvan Scrying also gets Man, stuff that's good, good like before. I guess, yeah. Yeah, no, but, but true, true. But yeah. True, yeah. I'm imagining this will make the cut in Muldrotha when I get around to, you know, putting it in. But true, that, that, true. That, that seems <laughs> seems good. <laughs> seems bit not of a bad. Combo. Yeah, yeah <laughs> seems pretty sweet. <laughs> what about Chainer? Uh, yeah, most of the stuff you want to hit. I mean, I guess it finds news, but a lot of the stuff you want to hit in that deck is legendary. Oh, actually, I know yeah. a deck that this is actually really good for as well. Arami. Yep. Yeah. Definitely not a bad one yeah. there. Especially yeah. with uh, one of the new Actually, cards that yeah, we're going to run up this year. It gets even yeah. better. Dude, yeah. London's yeah. convinced that if he just says Arami, one day the deck will just appear <laughs> fully formed in front of him. Hey, I've got, I've got, I've got brews, but I mean, people have also brewed the deck before. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've, got, I've, got, I've got it in my queue. Um, <laughs> stack. At such a low priority that yeah, it's a stack. Things, Maybe. things enter the queue in front of it faster than you well the thing is my queue is not is not first in first out it's uh whatever <laughs> yeah. i feel like brewing <laughs> it's a pro so, proprietary you know, algorithm it's a heat. yeah yeah uh cool uh next up uh, uh sure morgan matt sure, sure. I can, we can go back to the regular i'll cover this so uh regavan nimble pilfer for one red legendary creature monkey pirate so all the types we needed great uh, great creature what, types <laughs> hey man it triggers malcolm <laughs> <laughs> that's one hell of a trigger too yeah. uh so when it deals combat damage to a player uh create a treasure token and exile the top card of that player's library until under turn you may cast that card and it has dash for one and a red and it's a two one so so, so i mean next... I, I know the card says ragavan but it's jack right <laughs> <laughs> well, we named the monkey Jack. <laughs> true, true. Um, yeah, so I mean, this card has been people have been talking about a lot for uh, Legacy and Modern a bit, but uh, CDH. I was very confused. I was like, what, what are we doing with this in CDH? And then Reed made an odd. excellent point, and I'd yeah. like him to re reiterate it. For, well, sure. So I mean, just like, so first of all, at its base, if you can, if okay, if you can consistently connect with it, it's a mana dork plus extra, right? Because you like it makes a treasure every turn, which is already better than what Manic Storks do, but also like you get to steal the top card of people's libraries. Um, it, which notably, can be you can only relevant. cast it 
you can't you can't play yeah. a land. Yeah, yeah, but I mean that's that's already better than a mana dork, right? Like if if you can uh, if you can if always connects. Yeah. well yeah, but that's what I'm saying is like if you can always connect with this, then it's a better mana dork, right? The and problem like, the problem even, I have with even it if is you the couldn't connecting. take even if you couldn't take the top card of somebody's library, it's still a better mana yeah. dork because yeah. making even, treasures yeah. is better than tapping for mana. Even connecting twice, especially in some sort of turbo deck, like being able yeah. to keep two treasures for later, and so a lot that's. Better. That's actually the place where I was telling uh, Lyndon about like why this is going to see a lot of play in, in uh, a lot of decks is because in a lot of turbo decks, like Lyndon was like, yeah, but like if you don't always connect with it, like it's sort of just like worse than a mana dork. <laughs> and I made the point to Lyndon that like, yeah, but this is talking about decks that were already running shit like Blood Pet and Ornithopter and Mem Knight <laughs> to like get their <laughs> creature sack effects and just like have stuff around for yeah. like timid attacks and stuff. So Ragavan is like, already like infinitely better than any of those bodies. <laughs> comparing it to Blood Pet and Ornithopter makes this seem insane. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, this card's insane! How would they ever print something so much better than Ornithopter and Blood Pet? Yeah, that's <laughs> but yeah I mean, like, I, I feel like, I feel like there's a lot of cases where you're going to be able to get attacks through, and like, also, there's a lot of, there are a lot of decks that like won't block a two-one too, a lot of the time, I think. Um, so yeah, I mean, like, I, I In feel like this turbo is, inbred meta, maybe. Yeah, I mean, not even that. Just like if you're not on a green deck, like. Are you trading a Timna no, for this? I mean, there's Probably lots of... not. Are you like yeah, I don't know? Yeah. There's there's lots of lots of like I mean Thrasios will you're never yeah, attacking like, you're, two you're, not, you're, not, you're not blocking this with like an op agent or a hall breacher, right? Lots like, of lots of fringe decks that, yeah. that do just have three toughness commanders. But I mean the two the blocking a uh, two power creature isn't isn't always free as yeah, Timna it's, gets it's, in for attacks it's often not, enough. It's not like completely free. It's not like yeah. a sure thing so i think that like it's actually very reasonable to test this in most red decks at, at this point yeah. and just like see how it does if there's yeah. anything i've learned from timna players it's if there's two at the table they just agree to attack each other oh yeah <laughs> so pretty Classic free. banana bread dude oh, God, it's also the, the dash is actually very relevant <laughs> here as well because the dash actually lets you just like get people on their top deck tutors so like if somebody casts an in seal like, without the dash, this would have to be already in play, and they just, like, wouldn't cast the MCL if they couldn't block. But it's a bit of a trick. With, suppose, with the yeah. dash, they can just, like, cast an MCL on their turn or whatever, and then you just dash this in and hit them and take their thing. That's pretty That's pretty dope, yeah. Um, so, okay. like, definitely not so insignificant, yeah. That's that's uh, Ragavan. And then next up, we've got uh, Ignoble Hierarch. Morgan, you want We this? sure do. This is uh, a zero one one Goblin Shaman that casts for a single green mana. It has exalted and tap add black, red, or green. So this is yeah. What's what's crazy about this card is that it's only the second card with red color identity and exalted. There was one oh, in wow. Modern Horizons one, and there have been none others. So like crazy. this is really a you know pushing the bound. Okay. Yeah. So this oh, is really 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 oh. basically Ragavan yeah. that doesn't need to connect, right? Yeah. Okay. So this is a, okay. This is so also a. This is a Jund Noble Hierarch, which is, I mean, Noble Hierarch has been, you know, arguably, you know, people have gone back and forth. Maybe in, in EDH, Birds of Paradise is, like, more yeah, clearly better, but in other formats, people have gone back and forth on, like, Birds versus Noble Hierarch as, you know, best mana dorks. Um, I guess some people would argue for, like... Uh, Deathrite Shaman, but that's well, DRS. Uh, DRS is banned. So like, yeah, that's also not. <laughs> that that, that, that is a, that question has been answered already. Yeah. It's a plain um, so it's the best, right? <laughs> I mean, you could exclude it from the category of mana dork, notably because it doesn't have a mana ability. Um, 
but like so noble hierarch and birds are solid contenders for the best mana dork and this is i mean in in the colors it's every bit as good as noble hierarch and you know you could argue that these are better colors than the ones on noble hierarch um so yeah this is just insane and adds like a huge amount of uh like it's just another you know in in three and four color like jund or like jund at a fourth color decks uh just adds like another super consistent mana access dork yeah. just another thing yeah. another thing for five color also decks. his That's name is job. iggy and uh, he's the best i like iggy that's good that's good yeah, so you know how Bant players are always like, haha, I've got Noble Hierarch, and you don't. Well, yeah. now, you know, non-Bant players have Ignoble Hierarch. <laughs> um, cool. Next up, we've got Urza Saga, and that's the last one in this category. So Urza Saga is an enchantment land-typed Urza Saga. Um, so sagas, as a saga enters play, notably it's after your draw step, and this is something that not a lot of people realize. Um, so that's, I know the phrasing is a bit weird, but that means at the beginning of your pre-combat main phase, Which it, it really should just say at the beginning of your pre-combat main phase, it, but anyway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's, it's relevant for this because it, it, it changes, it can change how you evaluate the card. Wait, so, if you skip uh, your draw step, does your saga not trigger? Yeah, because you're st still after your draw step, I think. Where okay, don't not, don't don't uh, trust whatever. any of yes, us on yes. this. None of us are judges. Just okay. <laughs> we're, yeah. we're gonna go move figure on. that out for yourself. <laughs> um, yeah. So after after your draw step, add a lore counter and sacrifice after three. So the first chapter on the saga is Urza Saga gains tap out of colorless mana. So notably, this effect will persist between all of the um, chapters of the saga, and it and it happens um, as soon as the DTBs. So it's yes, it's basically just a color land for the entire time. Colorless Untapped side. colorless land. Yeah, enchantment land. Uh, Second chapter, Urza Saga gains uh, two and tap, create a construct, which is the constructs that, gain, that get plus one, plus one for each artifact you control. Uh, and then the third chapter is search your library for an artifact card with mana cost zero or one, put it onto the battlefield and shuffle. Notably, uh, mana cost means it's not mana value. Or so CMC. So you can't get something that's, uh, yeah. So you can't get um, artifact lands. You cannot get uh, Lotus Bloom. Um, that's yeah that's that's the key thing there so the one thing that i've been using to kind of compare this to for a lot of people is it's a lot like um in some decks not every deck it's a lot like uh gemstone caverns because i've been trying to convince people for this in gitrog and and lots of the i guess the top frogs and people are, are convinced on this but some of the other people still need to be convinced but if you're drawing it later in the game it's basically a colorless land um but if you open it on turn one this sets you up turn three immensely. So in Gitrog, for example, you're getting on turn three, you're untapping, uh, tapping this in your uh, main phase before it sacrifices. It sacrifices and you can go get something like a Jeweled Lotus um, if you want to just cast Gitrog with a bunch of extra mana or a Mana Crypt or a Soul Ring or something. So that's that's kind of what Urza Saga can do. And it's just really good. To, it, it tends to be pretty good in low color decks. Um yeah, the ability to just turn into a soul land later on is uh, it's pretty awesome. And I mean, also, it also, like has a lot of... Can go get Car LED in, in certain turbo decks. Like, you know, yep. Also notably gets yeah. Skull Clamp and Coal pretty nice. Huge, um, very notably. That's yeah. huge, Massive, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and it also yeah. gets... Uh, yeah, I mean, like, it also just can get you things like... Um, 
it can get you like shitty artifact creatures if that's what you're into, but also like potentially gets you like a Grafdigger's Cage or just like other random zero one cost stuff. Yeah, yeah. But think about uh, it. You I think can this also land get, is, uh, get the Soul Ring and then immediately use it to make a Garnstruct. Yep. Easy. <laughs> Can't even get Soul yeah. Talisman. What's what no? Is this? Actually, if you wait, get the Soul Ring, Morgan right, sacrifices. Yeah, it sacks itself. No, 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 no. You it the wait the sacrifice is a trigger that happens after the chapter ability leaves the stack. I'm pretty sure. Really? I didn't. I don't, think you, I don't remember getting priority to flicker in on arena. As shit. Whatever. Again, yeah. don't well, trust us. Well, if that judges, matters, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, does anyone have anything to say? Oh, it's just, never mind. It's a state-based action. Never mind. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's what it seemed like on Arena. But, uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, it's I mean, cute. The, the I... second mode isn't, like, super relevant, um, although it can be relevant in uh, Urza decks, specifically Flavor uh-huh. Win, huge. <laughs> I think, I think this is just leaders. decent math. This is very nice for low-color decks that can afford the colorless land. Um, and just like want to put a crypt into play on turn three yeah or i feel like it's the second ability is also just like conceivably relevant in any sort of like game that's stalled out where like it's a land that comes with a free like even if it comes with like a free three three like that can actually be massive in, in games where like well, it you know, comes with two. Things... If it comes with a three. Yeah, three it comes with two, two four tokens. fours if you want. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Or like, if it comes with two four fours, like that could make a huge difference in a game where either something like, like Timna draws are making the difference, or like, you know, it being able to double are, block something huge. Yeah. Being able to double block something huge, or like people are taking you know incidental damage from like crypts and painlands, and it's like, hey, maybe if I can put like twelve damage on someone, that actually like can force a response. Yeah, so we were talking about it being good in low color decks, and I think the important it's when I made the comparison to gemstone caverns in low color decks. In high color decks, they're very much different because a deck that would want to run gemstone caverns when you open it, it's a colored source that accelerates you. Whereas, and and then it's a color sand if you draw it. So when you're drawing them in the later game, um, they're kind of equivalent. But when you're opening with them, you're you can actually be just stumbling if you're opening with an Urza Saga in a higher color deck because you're not able to play something like a, a Thrasios or, or whatever on, right. on your turn Dork two. or like a double color yeah, exactly. spell on turn yeah. two or whatever. Cool, cool. Um, so next up, we've got our long-form discussion. Um, These are basically just kind of cards got, like, that are either really nuts-busted or just warrant a fair amount of discussion. So, so we kind of got like three and a half here. Do you want, do you want to... Yeah, sure, we'll, we'll keep yeah. this format. It's, um, so... First up, I guess, Reed, you, you can take this. Uh, sure. I mean, I can take it if you want yeah, to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go for it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, sure, <laughs> sure. Morgan. Sure. <laughs> uh, the, the first one is Douthy Voidwalker. Uh, it's Boo. a 3-2 that casts for Black Black. It has Shadow, uh, and that's it. No. Uh, it has... <laughs> hey, also, if- its type line is relevant. Yeah, it's type... It is a Douthy Rogue, which is relevant for... Oh, and... Oh, no, I guess it's not. I was thinking Ninja. About. I was thinking Ninja. But then, I mean, then Rogue, Rogue also has Edric. Edric some is... number of things yeah. that care about it's it. Just this Edric black card is yeah. great for Edric. I mean, it triggers <laughs> I mean, if you Growl gilded on, like, Yuriko or whatever. If you gilded Drake. Uh, for, like, Yuriko decks that play... Isn't there that Rogue The typeline isn't relevant. I lied. Anyways. Yeah, dude, it's a Douthy. Of course it's relevant. Exactly. 
If a card would be put into an opponent's graveyard from anywhere, exile it with a void counter on it. Um, so already, last, already, just of note, pretty good. this is a uh, one-sided, like it's it's a leyline of the void it's a on a two CMC yeah. creature, which is like already very good, right? Like we're we're people are already playing rest in peace, with it, and with that's not a creature. And decent power, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, and then and then it says <laughs> tap, sacrifice, Dothy Voidwalker. Choose an exiled card an opponent owns with a void counter on it. You may play it this turn without paying its mana cost. <laughs> oh my it's, gosh. It's just so, so like, fucking wow. Are you sure it doesn't say pay it any mana for its Spend cost? Ma- yeah. 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 That was, color or, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, oh, this gosh. card is actually absurd. It, it's a two, it's like a two mana hate bearer. That's like already okay, just like as a hate bear, and then you get to cast a spell for free from your opponents. Like what? At any yeah. time of the turn, with even, no restriction. Even the if this well, was, the, 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 the timing on the ritual timing card restriction is still, still applies. Yeah, but it doesn't. Oh, sorry, have an, I, I an just mean like you can. Timing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can get a counter spell. So like you can take like counter magic or like cast a nausea and instant speed for free out of somebody's graveyard or just yeah, also a thing another thing to note too is that this card is an opponent a card an opponent owns with a void counter on it. So if your void walker comes down later than an opponent's previous void walker, you can still access opponent's cards that have were exiled to the original void walker. Or you can access previous of your own void walker. Notable for like yeah. stuff yeah. with like Kenrith. So if you play like an early void walker um, like rack up a bunch of stuff underneath it, and then like every turn you activate Voidwalker, activate Kenrith, get back Voidwalker, keep doing it every turn cycle. Like, yeah, or like oh, do it multiple goodness. times a turn cycle with enough mana with Kenrith giving it haste. Like, just yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, the haste is like so relevant. Um, That's the one thing I was like, okay, if there's if there's any nerf to this card, it's the fact that you can't just crack it immediately. Wait, hold on. With Kenrith too, you can you can loop. Too right because you can hold priority in it response to the spell on the stack. Bring it back. A lot of effort, though. Yeah, yeah. like incredible <laughs> amount. Yeah, of effort. You can keep yeah. casting the same card. You can keep casting yes. the same card, which is stupid. If it makes enough mana, yes. <laughs> um, I, I'm not sure that there is any card that makes the amount. No, of you don't mana need to make it. Like if you're just holding it up. No, read, read, read. Oh sure, but if you're just yeah, you yeah. activate it and then hold priority. Sure, still it. a lot of mana, but yeah. yes. Um, I was I was I mean, gonna we're say just talking about reanimating it anyway. This is this is just like. Yeah, like, even if this was black, black, 2-2, two, two, no evasion, no activated ability, it would already see play. <laughs> just because one side of Rested Peace on a bear is, like, just good enough to see play in a lot of decks. Because Rested Peace is already good enough to see play, and Rested Peace on a creature for 2CMC is, like, what you exactly want in all of your, like, green stacks decks. So just, like, adding on everything else to this is just insane. Yeah, it's still only proactive. Like it's it's not really, a, it's, it can't really act as a trick in the same way that Rest in Peace does. But I don't think that really matters that much. Yeah. Yeah, like, dude, I'm I'm very upset about this card. This card yeah. is in the same cycle of of asymmetrical hate as Draneth, Agent Breacher. Yeah, and it's just Which are it's cards a that trend. It's obvious hate. that it's a trend. It's obvious that it's a trend, and that we're going to be getting more cards yeah, Jesus Christ. Yay. Well, yes, Yay, I would that's... like to flash in this Voidwalker in response to your DT and then on my turn cast it for free. Dude, it has... <laughs> yeah. When, when, when we're saying at least it doesn't have flash, like, that's how you know things are bad. 
It's yeah. just and like yeah. we haven't even by the way we haven't talked about like how sort of nuts this is in one v one where like in in one v one with this and a thoughtseize deck you're just like all right great play this on two turn three thoughtseize you take your grizzle brand cast it for free <laughs> like <laughs> yeah but also like this uh, can you ca- can you cast a wheel into this yeah but what, like I, in not... sixty card or in this. In, in, in oh yeah no if this if this is not summoning sick there's no way you can cast a wheel into this because like there's such a high chance that somebody just like discards any amount of gas and you're just fucked immediately right like yeah yeah, yeah. yeah no this is this is crazy like and, so, and i think i think that like it you know the reason i sort of said that is because i think that there's like the immediate oh like don't cast an ad nauseum into it but then like there's a lot of other ways cards wind up in the graveyard, and this this is, like, you have to be confident and, like, be in a good position to be willing to potentially enable this card, like, with something like a wheel or... Yeah. Or even just, it's... like, casting a tutor, then it's like, oh, is that, like, what they need to go off on their turn? Like, yeah. there's so Dude. many ways this, this can go so wrong. With Delphi out, let's just say your opponent has a Narset, I would just cast my Wheel of Fortune. I would just take all, I'd take everyone's hands and have plenty of Void Counter options. <laughs> oh, yeah. Dude, this thing is also great for, for picking off uh, Planeswalkers, too, eh? Oh, just with the Shadow? Just, yeah. yeah. I mean, the also, shadow, also just nuts with Timna. Like, if nobody's casting anything into I, it, and you're, okay, you have a Timna in the command zone. It's not nuts with Timna. You don't want to be attacking with this. No, but I no, mean, I like, if, okay, if more, people there are aren't times, casting yeah, there, there are, are times, times, right? There are times, but, like, if you look at it as good. a 3-2 unblockable, sure. you're, it, you're gonna yeah, over-evaluate how often you're gonna If there isn't a tutor with a Void Counter on it, and you have your Vamp in hand, it's great with Timna. That's enough, I think. Sure. So, well, one thing that I think is interesting about this card is that, you know, a lot of times the strongest win condition, or, or the win condition in the format, or, or like the, one of the, some of the strongest plans, uh, dictate the hate pieces that get run. Um, and this seems to be kind of the opposite, where I think, like, something like Breach, right? People might be running Rest in Peace because Breach is really good, or really strong, or, or Reanimator Razakat, something like that. Whereas this card is good enough on its own that now this might be impacting whether or not you want to be running Breach or Reanimator or, or like whatever graveyard combo you're looking at. Yeah, I mean, this certainly... It's kind of, it's kind of an interesting... This certainly has to reevaluate how good Cats is in the metagame, right? Just like... Yeah, if, oh, certainly. If yeah, every yeah. deck is playing a Douthy Voidwalker, like, how how are you going to play Cats, like, consistently? Like, you were, in like, Tomb Turn 1. You already, <laughs> you already sort of have issues, I feel like, with um, Op Agent, and, like, this just only makes it worse. I don't know. Like, Morgan, you can probably that, talk that more about that. That being said, I think that, I think that this is a card that Razakats also, like, plays better than most decks, so... Yeah, like, fair. I mean, yes, yeah. obviously, it, it affects, it affects us more, um, but I think it's also, like, a very powerful tool for the deck as it currently exists, so... It'll hurt, but not, like... It's... Yeah, there's there's a quite a few decks. Well, it, it seems to be the the trend in CDH these days that many of the decks that can play stacks effects arguably like the most optimally are sometimes still hurt when their opponents have the same stacks effect. So Razakats, for instance, if you're playing, if you wanted to play Rule of Law creatures, you could, right? But you're still weak to your opponent's Rule of Laws. Similar like Urza, you know, you can play Trinisphere and Static Orbs and all that stuff as much as you want, and then as soon as someone plays one of your like a Trinisphere, you're like, oh. That sucks. 
Like, yeah. yeah. Like but that's a bit more that, like, rule of law creatures kind of aren't symmetrical in the deck. But real rule, like, real rule of laws are very much symmetrical. Yeah. yeah. I, I also think, like, it's important to, to remember that Razakats is, like, Razakats with a rest in peace out is still, like, a console. <laughs> yeah. CST. Like, <laughs> yeah. 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 Obviously not the same, but it's still, like, a, a reasonably efficient mid-range console Thrasios Timna deck. Like, you're, you're really not doing too badly. Um, compared, okay. compared to how other decks feel about having their relevant hate pieces played against them. Yeah, like a collector group against most artifact lists, like... Yeah. So, next up, uh, Reed, you can read... Yeah, these, so because yeah. there's kind of a three for one here, but really it's yeah. about the if there's well, one so, card that's okay. the main so focus, we'll but about, we're gonna throw in. Yeah, we'll talk about the cycle at large first here, which is that um so there's a cycle of uh new zero CMC, no mana cost suspend cards. Um so can't cast them for uh any mana cost because they don't have a mana cost, but there's zero CMC and they suspend for some amount. Um I'll go through their effects real quick, just so people have context. Um, but I mean Honestly, none of these suspend, like, amounts <laughs> or, like, costs actually really matter because nobody's ever using these in a fair way. You're almost always trying to cheat them off of something. Um, I mean, uh, yes, but also, like, uh, uh, sure, well, we can discuss yeah, yeah. this later. Um, so, the white one is called Resurgent Belief. Um, you effectively just return all enchantments from your graveyard to the battlefield. Fine, not great, not really something that you can super abuse in CDH without a lot of effort, um, and it doesn't really do much past that. Um, the red one is Glimpse of Tomorrow, a bit more interesting. Uh, reads Shuffle all permanents you control into your library, then reveal that many cards from the top of your library, put all non-aura permanents revealed as one into the battlefield, then do the same for your aura cards, and then put the rest of the bottom in a random order. Um, it's, uh, sort of a personal warp world or whatever. Yeah, not, is it warp world? Is, is it? Is, yeah. yeah. It's, I think it's warp world. Yeah. Is it's it? warp world. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. which is, I mean, it's neat, but I mean, the fact that you don't like you reveal that many cards rather than like reveal until you hit that many permanents, I think is sort of a limiting factor yeah, that's here. Very relevant. Um, Definitely thanks. need to be playing it in a deck with a lot of permanents. Yeah. And because like, if, if 50 or if 40 or 30% of your deck is instants or sorceries, then you're just you're trading in your 10 permanents for like six random permanents from lands. your deck. Yeah. Um, so like not super great. Um, and then, Hey, surprise, surprise, we get into the bug ones and the bug ones are all like enormously better <laughs> than the Boros nuts, ones. Yeah. Um, so first of all, we'll Finally, go Finally, blues getting some good cards. Jeez. <laughs> first of all, we'll go with, I think, uh, blue, which is either second or third in power level, I'd say, um, out of these, um, it, is effectively a bribery. It reads, uh, search target opponent's library for a creature card and put that card into the battlefield under your control, and that player shuffles. Um, it suspends for one blue blue, which is the highest suspend cost out of any of these, and it suspends for three turns. Um, sort of interesting. Uh, and that's called, yeah, did you say Inevitable Betrayal? Ah, uh, yes, Inevitable Betrayal. Um, yeah. Yeah, fun one. Um, it, I think this one definitely has some amount of legs if you can consistently cheat it. Um, cheat on the suspend just because people are playing a lot of stuff like Oracle, Dockside, uh, just in general utility creatures, um, spell seekers, Hall Breacher, Razzacats, yeah, Hall just like stealing, stealing, stealing Gilded Razzacats, Drakes, taking a Gilded uh, Drake. 
Um, Grand Abolishers, Ranger Captains, yep. Vexing Shushers. Yeah, there's just there's, <laughs> there's a lot of good creatures to steal. Yeah, there's there's a wide who who would have guessed that bribery for zero man is a good card. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, not bad. Um, then we have Green, which is also probably second or third in power level here. Uh, it's called Gaia's Will. Um, as the name suggests, it is a Yogmoth's Will that also allows you to play lands from your graveyard. So in the land of turn, you can play lands and the cast spells from your graveyard. And then if a card would be put into your graveyard from anywhere else this turn, you exile it instead. Suspends uh, for four turns on a single green. Um, also pretty interesting. I mean, I don't... Green Yogwill is not something that I would have ever predicted seeing printed, but... You know, yeah, they I mean, did it. What, what, what is the color identity of Yogg? It's pretty these cool. Days? Is it yeah. black? Is it red? Is it green? Like, <laughs> I, th- I think if you printed Yogwill these days, I mean, I guess they did just print Yogwill again these days. But if you <laughs> if you were to actually go back and print Yogwill these days, it's probably a hybrid between like green and red. I'd say something like that. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, um, seems like a red ability. Yeah. Anyway, we all know how good Yogg Will is. It's sort of fallen off because of Breach, but I mean, if you can cheat it, guys willing to play for zero mana or whatever, um, it's also not bad. Um, and then we get to the cream of the crop. Uh, our black suspend card is called Profane Tutor. That name is already ominous and should probably give you an idea of what broken stuff is doing. <laughs> what does it uh, do? Suspense, <laughs> suspense for two turns at one and a black. Hey, more hints. Um, search your library for a card. <laughs> Put that card in your hand, then shuffle. Huh. Yeah, oh. so zero mana demonic tutor. Definitely. So I want to say the a thing. Yeah. The the suspend on this one is actually kind of relevant because suspend two. Yeah, suspend two is, is like is reasonable to bad, wait for. Yeah. It's like it's not good, it's, but it's like yeah, it's very telegraphed. Yeah. But it does let you when you're suspending something. It's, one, it's you can suspend it much. Early, you can suspend it pretty early. Yeah, and then you can also. Uh, when on the turn when you're casting it, it's somewhat easier to defend because you'll have open mana. Yeah, it, so it I mean, you're not you don't want to suspend cast. this, but that this is like no, as a worst but, case. Yeah, scenario, worst case scenario. Like the worst thing to do. I'm I'm much happier to suspend a profane tutor than I am to suspend a guy as well, which is going to take four more turns to come yeah. down. Right. Yeah. Um, it, it, it could have suspend ten and it would still see play. Yeah. But the 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 notable thing is that it doesn't have the, that. The and fail you, case you is not actually yeah. entirely terrible. Yeah. Yeah. So what decks want to run these? Read well. Or one, you or... might have guessed yeah, that Cascade is pretty good with these. Um, so the classic answer would be Yidris. Um, Yidris historically has played a lot of zero mana stuff. It's definitely, it's certainly played Wheel of Fate, um, and then has uh, sort of worked around with you know um, Jeweled Lotus or not Jeweled, sorry, excuse me, um, Lotus Bloom, Lotus Bloom, and uh, Recall or Ancestral yeah, Visions, Ancestral Visions, Visions yeah. Um, certainly not bad. I mean, I you almost assuredly are including the tutor there. I could also see bribery being very good in a Yidris build. For Dockside. Um, just yeah. taking Dockside. Or, like, basically you get to take whatever piece that you're missing. You take a Dockside, you take an Oracle, whatever. Um, I mean, Gaia's Will, too, seems seems decent in Yidris. Like. Yeah, I, th- I think the one issue with Gaia's Will is that um, because Yidris is actual Cascade, you might run into timing issues where you hit a Gaia's Will that you don't want to hit, and then you just, like, Before waste, you your, to, you waste yeah. your Cascade, basically. Um, like, if you don't have a stacked graveyard. Yeah, yeah. that's a fair point. Yeah. Um, and also, Yidris doesn't like Yidris doesn't give stuff in your graveyard cascade, unfortunately. So like, it's not as great. I mean, uh, obviously, yeah. Yogwill yeah, can, can only be so bad. I wouldn't be surprised if there's some builds around there running around with a guy's will in it. But I think the the big wins here for Yidris are Profane Tutor and Inevitable Betrayal. I think those will probably both see yeah. play um, in Yidris, especially like 
Profane Tutor in Yidris is really good because, like, you cascade into it and then it gets you something else that you can then cast and then cascade off of that as well, right? Yeah. So, like, you can grab, like, a Soul Ring for it and cascade. Um, the other big one, and is the reason why we have this here, and anybody that's been following me on, uh, like, Twitter or Discord or anything or has been talking to me over the last week since this was uh, spoiled, is Cody. Um, Cody is a... What is Cody? This is a Strixhaven. We're also yeah, doing Strixhaven right? now. Let's, let's, <laughs> so, let's, what does this card do? So Cody, Cody is a fairly recent commander printed in Strixhaven. Um, he costs three colorless to cast uh, and is a 1-4 artifact creature. I believe he's a, uh, I don't know, construct, something like that. Whatever. He's a construct. Yeah, it doesn't matter that much. Um, <laughs> interesting on his it face. Uh, so... He has a static restriction on him, which is pretty interesting, uh, that says you can't cast permanent spells. Um, so that's pretty interesting. Uh, he also has an activated ability that costs four generic, tap to activate, add Wooberg to your mana pool, and then the next spell... Net's mana. Yeah, net's mana <laughs> off of that. So first of all, so fixes mana and net's mana, um, which yeah. is really... so. Just just to reiterate no. before we finish this, it's, <laughs> it costs three generic to cast, four generic to activate, and then fixes your mana effectively, plus adds one. Yeah, that's already so very it strong. Cur- it curves is his his cast into his ability curves like excellently, and then also fixes your mana and and ramps he has additional one. upside. Yeah, and what does that read? Uh, that would be that after you activate that mana ability, and it is a mana ability, um, the next spell that you cast that turn. You reveal cards from the top of your library until you reveal specifically an instant or sorcery with lesser mana cost than the one that you cast. <laughs> not lesser equal, and not any card type. It's an instant or sorcery with lesser mana cost than the than the one that you just cast. Some uh, people might actually think that's worse than Cascade, but oh, yeah. Also, no, you know, hold on. Finish yeah. reading the the thing, and we'll we'll talk about why it's so much better than Cascade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there's a and the rel- um, next relevant line of text. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the next relevant line of text on Cody is that. You actually, until end of turn, you can cast that card without paying its mana cost. Uh, and then you put every other card of exile that way on the bottom of your library in a random order, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so basically, it is not actual cascade because it banks the card until you want to cast it. So um, this doesn't let you cast stuff like sorceries at instant speed, like on top of your cascade spell, but it does let you bank it for the entire turn, which is really like good and really powerful in a lot of ways. Um, and also so the, means... the the thing where we talked about with Yidris, where we yeah. said that the guys will could be awkward because one, it, well, one doesn't trigger the cascade with Yidris, but two, it you might be Yog willing before you want to. Yeah. Uh, if you, for instance, had hit a Yog, you you could just elect to not cast it. You cannot cast the guys to. will, but you always you have it in the bank until you do want to cast yeah. it. And because Cody does say that you can cast it without paying its mana cost, um, you can cast these like mana costless spells, um, because they're. And he, he'll still hit them because they're converted mana cost or mana value is zero. Um, but because he says cast without paying the mana cost, you uh, can ignore that they don't have a mana cost. You wouldn't usually be able to cast them. Um, and and the fact that it, it instants or sorceries means that you can still run your mana crypt soul ring or yep. your mana crypt chrome moxes, all your zero yep. drops that you want to run and not hit them and still be guaranteed to hit your spells. Yes. Which is insane. Um, so that's, that's something that Yidris hasn't really been able to do. So like Yidris... You know, you never really run one uh, of the free things usually, just because you already you always have the chance of usually hitting like your soul ring, mana crypt, one of your mox and lotus petal, all that stuff. So you sort of want a density of things to hit. Um, I mean, it's not it's usually not bad to hit 
a mana crypt for free off of your cascade. But like if you're looking for gas instead of mana, you sort of have to have a density. Cody can run all that stuff and then only run like say one suspend thing or a very limited set of uh, the suspend cards and basically guarantee your hit on them. Um, so the broken thing about this that makes this really good, I'm not, I, I guess I won't say broken, but like the, the really good thing about, um, profane tutor in Cody specifically is that it effectively allows you to just play a demonic tutor in the command zone that also like fixes your mana with some restrictions, which means that it is five color. <laughs> yeah, it is. And it's also five color because the, the five pips do make it a five color commander. Um, which means that you can turn by activating Cody, you can cast any one's one mana spell period. Now you can't cast permanent spells with the Cody in play. So it does have to be an instant or sorcery when you activate it. Um, unless you can sacrifice Cody somehow, but basically you cast any one mana instant or sorcery, and then you just get a profane tutor and you just get to cast a tutor for free, which so is what do you want to still with which four, is, ma- with at least with, four, mana with at floating. least four mana floating because <laughs> Cody floats your mana and fixes your colorless mana. So just, just from there, we're seeing, yeah, you can, Cody fixes your mana and then turns any one mana instant or sorcery into a demonic, into a free demonic tutor. You're not casting it for its like two mana rate. You're casting it for free. So that means so what that if I curve, you can what do. What if I curve three mana into yeah. Cody? Uh-huh. Play play land four mana. Activate Cody and I cast my get probe. Uh huh. Read what I'm, what, what's the best thing to do? You are cascading into a profane tutor, and first of all, you get to tutor for whatever you want. Second of all, Adnos is a really broken card, and you usually want to tutor for Adnos. <laughs> but, but I can't. He's not fixed. I can't fix my colors for Adnos. This is true. Well, well, you, how how do I deal with that? Fix colors for Adnos. Um, what you're so. going to do instead is you're going to cast a bring to light or rather tutor for a bring to light off of the prone faint tutor. And then because Cody adds Wooper, you can use Wooper to cast your bring to light, which then can find a five CMC or less spell, which is an ad nauseum. Yeah. Uh, Don't cut bring to light from your Cody decks, kids. Oh, I wasn't going to go important. there anyway. Um, so this is actually, this is the deck that I was talking about testing earlier. Um, in the what we're what we're redoing um basically like the concept of the deck and it's been performing very well for the record um even in a very hostile meta that i've been testing it in um the idea of the deck is sort of that like you get by having access to an ad nauseum effectively in the command zone um with like mana fixing and such and all the other benefits that cody gives you um you like you sort of play like a turbo deck except you don't need to mulligan to gas so you're sort of in a place where you can just mulligan for mana and interaction instead of having to find your ad nauseum or like a wheel or like some good value card, which like really, really opens up your mulligans and also makes it so your win attempts are like far more protected than they usually are at the same, like at, at the same point in the turn, um, like turn cycle or turn order that you would usually get in turbo decks. Well, yeah, I mean, like, I think the most obvious thing to say about this is, like, you know, how good is it to have your commander be effectively, like... A five-color demonic tutor, right? A zero-card, or just be, like, a zero-card combo. And the answer is that uh, is good enough to propel the absolute garbage pile of the 99 of Goto <laughs> yeah. into being a real deck. Like, yeah, yeah. Like that—that's 
Think about how much heavy lifting is required to make an 11 mana combo in one of the worst, like, monocolor Single colors, yeah. shells to be in. It makes that viable. And now we're talking about, like, giving that to five-color Turbo Nas. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it. The thing is, it's still a Turbo Nas deck when when your Cody isn't getting a demonic. Yeah, no, you, it's still you still a Thassa's Oracle Consult yep. deck. Like, or it's you still can a just, breach deck. Yeah, if you're on yeah, that, read yeah. it's still a Thassa's Oracle <laughs> yeah, Consult. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, <if>, like <laughs> you, you're still doing Thassa's Oracle Consult stuff. You can still just cast a natural Ad Nas without your Cody. You can still do breach lines. It's just like. Oh, yeah. So yeah, yeah. The thing with the it needs Cody. You need to have Cody out of play for yeah, Reach yeah. and the console. But yeah, right, I was the, gonna the, ask. Yeah. Like, you resolve your ad nauseum. What's your general strategy of like getting rid of Cody, or do you just play? So I mean, okay, I I won't. There's a few. I won't cards, go. Yeah. We we're not gonna do a full deck, yeah, deck we're, on we're, Cody. We're if you want to see I the think deck, this is like the it'll one be linked though. Like, I won't. Gonna, I I won't. Yeah. Sorry, I'll I'll put a disclaimer. I'm not gonna do like the full like Cody episode here, but I will say like. There are there are ways to work around the Cody restriction. Uh, Matt usually it involves stuff like calling the week. You can run sacrifice. You can run burnt offering. Nature's claim and creature removal also gets rid of Cody. Um, you can run stuff like snapback. Snap um, there there are a lot of options to get rid of Cody after Adnaz or before Adnaz. And at the point in time the deck is currently at, it's typically um, trivial to get rid of Cody after your Adnazium to win the game. Yeah. Um, um yeah so we'll, we'll link reed's deck list in the uh, description for this uh podcast so in the youtube description or our podcast description if you want to check it out uh very cool he's constantly updating it so uh yeah uh, see where that is and then i've also been working on a separate cody list with uh kibitzen from the frog server and uh we will have that list hopefully done by the time this podcast is out so if it's done then you'll see it in the in the podcast description otherwise stay tuned and it'll be out shortly yeah that's exciting stuff cool uh next up matt you got you want to read this one sure it's uh yeah esper sentinel a one one for white artifact creature human soldier whenever an opponent casts their first non-creature spell each turn draw a card unless that player pays x where x is esper sentinel's power so feels like rhystic study or feels like mystic remora only triggers once you can increase the cost. I'm not particularly sold on this, but I I'm curious. So, to know yeah, your this taste. card has been contentious in the community, right? Like, yeah, people yeah, are, this are is, iffy. Some people are very high. The di- you know. the discussion around this card, from like my point of view, seems very similar to the discussion around Wandering Archaic when it was released. Which yeah, is funny because fair. I think they're like very, very different cards. Yeah, they're really yeah. different. That's no, no, I'm me. sorry, I'm, I'm not saying they're similar. I'm saying that the but the discussion around yeah, no, has the, been the very similar. Yeah. Yeah. I think so, I like think just that, like, like that it's polarizing. This... Like just that it's polarizing. Yeah, just well that it's polarizing, and I think people are making a lot of the same arguments, even though they're like not really the same effect at all. <laughs> So do you guys who yeah. who who's on? Well, let, let's uh, um okay. Uh, let, let's everyone give like a, a temperature on on how they feel about this card, and then we can kind of let's say we'll have the the people want to make the counter argument, and then people want to make the pro argument. Um, so I'd say this card is um pretty pretty good, but it's not. It's like it's no Doughty Voidwalker. If Doughty Voidwalker is hot, I'd say this is like the, you know medium hot. Yeah, I think this yeah, is no, Death Voidwalker is scorching warm. hot. I'd say this is medium hot. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think lukewarm is is like I think that this card is a solid upgrade 
for decks that are looking to play a bunch of like small one ones for various synergistic <laughs> reasons. Oh, hey, that's cool. <laughs> sure, or, or or like any yeah anything like the, like the like Esper Timna deck. Yeah, yeah. Or yeah. if you or want like... cheap, if you want cheap bodies and you don't currently have enough good cheap bodies, this is probably a reasonable idea to slot in or at least test with. Yeah, I'd say it's a it's a good cheap body, but it's not like. Like, what, I think if you had to give a card that's a comparison of power level, what would you what would you say? Like Curse Catcher? I don't know. This is okay. this is probably better that. than Mausoleum Wanderer. This Curse is definitely Catcher. better than Curse. Well, I, this is also I know this card is going to actually just raise my blood pressure an unhealthy <laughs> amount because it's so easy to pay for. Yeah, and people are still not going to pay for it. Yep. Yeah, is that why it's good? Because people aren't going to pay for it. Like, just, well, like, it's just one like card, a... right? So I can just... Like, it's, it's, it's not so... like with a okay. Remora, if it's, I pay... You know, I this, to... is, this is basically an Esper... This is, but... Esper Sentinel is basically just a Ristic study under Rule of Law, right? <laughs> that's, that's the same card. <laughs> and that already so, raises cut, cut to the chase. pressure. Yeah. Do you guys... Do you guys Matt, Matt, you're... Where, where are you? So uh, Morgan I... Reed, we're lukewarm. I'm medium hot. Where are you? I might not put it in a low color white deck. So pretty low. So wow. you're cold. You're ice cold, man. Okay. So do you want to? Do you want to go? So that was their lukewarm take. Dude, well, he's let's as your cold take. as ice. <laughs> he's willing to sacrifice. Uh, so what's your reasoning, Matt? When you, yeah, let's hear it. It's it's always one. You're not neo forming a token into this, so you're not making it a reasonable, like not pay. And it's only the first spell, so I. I know it's going to raise Morgan's blood pressure, and but I do think like there's more of a reason to pay for Esper Sentinel than there is for a single Ristic Study trigger, just because like there there isn't like you, you know that you're not going to have to pay for the rest of the spells in your turn, so you can you can price it in very easily. Um, okay. Yeah, it's like so easy so. to play around, and then and then it just turns into a white mana draw, uh, discard a card. I don't think it doesn't so connect here's, with Timna. Like, here, here's my take on the card. So you're right that it. it so I, I agree with a, a lot of your points. Although there's some things that I, I want to kind of. I think people have been comparing this to Ristic Study and Remora, which I think I think you guys would all agree is not a fair comparison. No, not at all. Those cards are in a league of their own, yeah, and yeah. mentioning this card in the same breath is is just not fair to the card. Um, and. I understand why people bring it up because there's the, well, you know, it's a tax effect and, you know, you're drawing a card. So, you know, clearly you should talk about it. No, no, that's yeah. It's not, it's not fair to compare like, you know, a college basketball player to, you know, LeBron James or something like that's, that's just not fair. So, you know, if you want to compare this card to, to kind of just looking at what it's doing on, on the surface, I think one, it doesn't have any, it's one mana up front, and you're never going to have to pay anything ever again. It's a very cheap card to put into play. And the so you were comparing it to Curse Catcher. And I think I, I can work with the Curse Catcher comparison because there's there's some important distinctions I'd like to point, bring up. So one, the Curse Catcher can have a pseudo stacks effect where you're taxing all of your opponent's like big plays and, and counter magic by one mana. So long as you're never cracking the curse catcher, no one's going to play an ad nauseum with for with zero mana floating, or they're not going to play it if they've got an ad nauseum and a well, miscast. Yeah, and they, they so can't pay for it. You don't you don't tax 
all of their plays by one mana. You tax their like turns by one mana. Like it's it, like you tap down yes, every yes, like you exactly. tap down one land from every opponent basically with it. The curse catcher. Yeah. Yeah. So the one thing with Esper Sentinel too, I, I think people aren't totally evaluating is one, it's that it's the first spell an opponent casts, uh, or the first non-creature spell uh, each casts on each turn. So if your opponent is ever casting, they're doing non-creature spell on their turn, and then also doing something on an opponent's turn, be that counter wars or something, um, it will tax them twice. Uh, it is taxing all of your opponents. So so unless they're going to make you draw a card, it is a, an actual tax on their, their first thing, not just a virtual tax, right? Um, so if you're taxing each opponent three mana each turn at minimum, uh, each turn cycle at minimum, then also on... Um, another another uh, player's turn it can tax them additionally uh that's actually quite a significant mana advantage and and tax that you're applying to your opponents for a single mana with no um additional upkeep if this card draws a single card it's cantripped and then it's still taxing your opponents which makes it worth um that, that's something i think is probably worth it in my opinion if it draws a single card if it draws any more than that it's just gas um so yeah i, I actually think I, I think this card is quite good um for those reasons it's just something that you can play very early um with with little costs aside like along with your other development plays and then hurt your opponent's development um and and hurt them while interacting to potentially draw you cards uh and, and generally the rule is whoever spends their mana the most efficiently and effectively in the game of magic is the winner um and this card definitely forces your opponents to be on the lower end of that scale and and the or on, on worse end they're, they're spending their mana less uh, less effectively and the, the the definite problem with this card is in the late game it's very easy to pay for um and in in counter wars it's not like a continue like oftentimes with counter wars um they're build up on a single turn uh and it's one massive stack where Ristic study just pays massive dividends esper sentinel will not um although it still will tax each player participating in the counter war uh, by at least yeah. one. And that example, yeah. it's still really good. I think that's like the perfect example where this card's really strong is the counter war. Um, I do want to nitpick though your argument a little bit. Uh, I'm going to cast an ad nauseum into an Esper Sentinel, but I'm like with with, with no mana up, but I'm obviously not going to cast an ad nauseum to a curse catcher with no mana up. I think that's a bit of a different. Yeah, example. but if you do that, then it's still cantripping, right? Realistically, but I, my, 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 I mean, my, I'm going to win with a high probability. Versus not winning with all with this hundred. No, but I mean, you're you're cantripping the card, so it's replacing itself for a single mana while also taxing. Then if your opponents are trying to participate to counter the Adnaz, you might draw further, right? Like there, there's even in that example, it's not a single card. Asking your single white card to stop an Adnazium is kind of a big ask. I mean, Curse Catcher doesn't single-handedly stop an Adnazium; it, it taxes their turn slightly, right? Um, and it doesn't, it doesn't help your opponents can't also force you to draw cards with it to help potentially answer the an ad nauseum. But like, so, um, Curse Catcher's also not a card that I'm in the habit play, of putting yeah. in my decks. Exactly. Yeah. Well, uh, would you, would you, so you guys compared it, you and Reed compared it to Curse Catcher. I think and it's better than Curse said, Catcher. I think it's okay, better so than, I've, yeah. I've, I've moved, I, okay, I at least moved Matt a bit, which is good. What? I, I don't think you moved I, him. I think it was just the Curse Catcher was obviously a bit worse than this, I think. Um, Matt, I, I actually, think that Curse Catcher is an appropriate comparison, but that this yeah. is better than Curse Catcher. Yes. Like the, the both yeah. of those things can be I, true. I didn't, I didn't really kind of take in the Counter War example. I think that's a really solid one. 
So Matt, so I definitely bump it up a bit, but I just I still don't think I'm gonna play this in the deck. So you said you wouldn't. I, I think play I'd this play this card in, in Wait, a lot of so decks. So Matt, you said you probably my wouldn't original play assessment this was I in like in lower, lower color, color white deck. decks, right? <laughs> yeah. Do you do you think <laughs> maybe over exaggeration? Do you think this gets like? Do you think that equation changes at all if you have like a reasonably consistent way of pumping it? Like say like would you yeah would oh, you yeah, play this yeah. would you yeah. play this way yeah, way yeah. better would you if play you it in Heliod a plus one plus one counter on it yeah yeah, yeah of course yeah. I think I would yeah okay. this card gets insane yeah yeah <laughs> what no, I I was yeah I'll, I should also say I'm I'm evaluating this as if you're never gonna be able to pump yeah it yeah because yeah. I I think yeah yeah um would, uh, so I'll say I think you... I would put this in I would put this in into a uh, very grindy I mean the QMTG meta has like TNT decks that are extremely inbred. I would put this into a TNT deck. Would you put this? I would this? put this into like a Thrass Bruce deck. Would you put this in into, a <laughs> into a Kenrith deck? Into a Kenrith deck? Yeah, probably. No. Oh, and, and still in that metagame, like, I don't know. Well, no, Kenrith, well, Kenrith just puts counters on it, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> still, he that still goes in Kenrith, yeah. <laughs> no, no, I'd put it in Kenrith. Uh, I, 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 dude, he's got some I don't, abilities. I don't know that I'd, yeah. like, like, I'm not saying there is not a Kenrith deck that I would put it in. But there are definitely Kenrith decks that I would not put it in. I could agree to that. I could agree to that, certainly. There, there are, I mean, there's decks, I, I think, I'm not saying this is like a, you know, a staple or anything, but this is a card, or like a mega staple where it goes in, in everything that can run it. But like, I definitely think this card is staple. <sighs> it depends on how far you go down into what's a staple. But uh, this it's is not a card a, that I would put into good decks. No, 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 no. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. It goes in every mid range Kenrith deck. It's like a, it's like yeah, a. I think it goes. Actually, I think it goes in a lot of mid range decks. Period. It's like a, that's, it's that's like a strategy ish staple. Morgan, would you put this in Mirath? Uh, maybe. I feel like that's a deck that like also just doesn't take a lot of advantage from drawing cards. That's so fair. <laughs> yeah, that that makes sense. It's a little bit. I'm, I'm like, looking tricky, forward to but... seeing. To seeing at our year year in review how many decks are running Esper Sentinel and where people's opinions have changed. I mean, I've been wrong on cards before. We all have, so it'll be fun to see where. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. I've never been lot, wrong on a prediction. It has a lot ever. going for it. <laughs> <laughs> it definitely uh, has a cool. lot going for it. So, uh, uh, so I hope that's it for one. our uh, long form discussion. Unless anyone within, anyone has anything else to say about Esper Sentinel? No. Um, so next up is the. Uh, more fringy pet deck discussion. Although pet deck might be doing this, 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 this like a disservice. This is this is more like fringy cards that we just kind of want to talk about that aren't viable like, cards. You know, I think important. these yeah, are viable. viable is a good good way to say it. Um, so first up, we've got uh, step through, which is a sorcery for three and double blue, and it reads return two target creatures to their owner's hand, and it has wizard cycling for two generic mana. <laughs> so notably. Uh, Wizard Cycling, this is this is the second time Wizard Cycling has ever been printed. It was first on Vidalcan Aether Mage, uh, which was a wizard for one and a blue with flash and bounced a sliver, which is like uh, okay. <laughs> so much worse uh, than and this. And had Wizard Cycling mode. for three. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Wizard all cycling the Wizard Cycling cards. Uh, don't no, have so any Wizard text. Cycling. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, I. How dare you? Tier one con, <laughs> I bounced the first sliver with Vidalcan Aether Mage. I've also bounced Orvars with Vidalcan Aether Mage. Card and and also in a zombie, I suppose you can flash it in to draw cards. But yeah, the um, notably, I think Vidalcan Aether Mage has been seeing fringe play in some mono blue decks already, uh, especially since the printing of a card that we're going to be uh, getting into in our Strixhaven set uh, discussion 
uh, or like brief card discussion, which is uh, Archmage Emeritus. Uh, it gives you access. There's lots of combo pieces that are wizards, uh, lots of insane value engines that are wizards, disruption pieces that are wizards. So wizard cycling, pretty nice. Also the fact that it uses colorless mana and can be done at instant speed. Um, very nice. Now the fact that this is wizard cycling for two, when already wizard cycling for three with, with literally no text is, is playable, means this is, you know, eyes are on this card now so uh, for some mono blue decks. i'm not sure if you saw um, the uh the sam black article um that he wrote i did not okay uh, so okay sam black actually did uh some i believe some contract work for wizards as like a pro player to come in and like help them work on this set a bit um and like give feedback on cards and like submit um ideas for like balancing and sort of like uh getting cards more in line with the format Originally, yeah. this apparently had wizard cycling for one <laughs> before he convinced whoa, them otherwise. Man. Yeah. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. That would have been insane. Um, and, and so, yeah, what, one, one other thing I want to say about this card um, that I found to be very relevant I mean, this card's Slam Duncan Burrell. Um, but the fact that this card is a sorcery means that it is now, you can now tutor your creatures. You can do some chain tutoring to tutor your creatures in mono blue. So if you need to tutor a creature, uh, previously, like, Vidalcan Aether Mage was just redundancy for some creatures that you really want to have access to uh, as a second copy, like a virtual second copy, but you, you didn't have access to Aether Mage, really. Like, the best generic tutor in Mono Blue is a long-term plan. Oh, dude. Um, so, that's, yeah, well, that's I actually mean, a big point. The best or, or generic argue, tutor in Mono yeah. Blue is Intuition, but... Yeah. No, but, I mean, it's that's hard to say that that's a real so, tutor. Linden, tutor. have you... Like, you can't tutor for a mind over matter have you sure in yeah. using intuition if you wanted to, have you right? considered that um, instead of like if you need to get from personal tutor now from personal tutor to intuition and brawl personal tutor. No, no no but what i'm saying is have you considered that if you want to get from personal tutor to intuition you can now instead of going from personal tutor to uh merchant scroll to intuition you can now go Personal tutor to step through to spell seeker to mystical tutor. Oh, yeah, to we, we 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 were working out the longest lines yesterday. It's pretty fun. You go, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Vidalcan, you read. You forgot to start with Vidalcan Ether Mage into your spell seeker. Obviously, <laughs> um, no, but the yeah, uh, yeah the, the 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 um the fact that this is a sorcery means that yeah you you can get into your. It turns a lot more of your tutor, tutors into creature tutors. Or wizard tutors, sorry, not creature tutors, which is uh, quite nice. I mean, in Mono Blue, um, a wizard tutor and, and is the, the bounce a creature mode, tutor, right? while is basically blank text, a uh, text can come up occasionally. So, yeah, very cool. It'll card. come like up it. that one time. There'll yeah. there'll be plenty of stories of you casting step through. Uh, yeah, its ability. Yeah. yeah, to remove your own Archmage Emeritus, certainly. <laughs> Stop yourself <laughs> from decking it. To re-trigger your spell seeker. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <sighs> anyone else have anything on step through, or we can move on? Let's move on. Let's let's jump on, yeah. So oh, okay. next up, uh, Sanctum Weaver. One in the green. Enchantment creature Dryad. Zero two. Uh, add X mana of any one color, where X is the number of enchantments you control. So, uh, if anyone's ever played Freed and those types of combos, uh, this is a huge include because for, for multiple reasons, it just combos with Freed from the real because it is itself an enchantment. Uh, it's in tutorable with Enlightened Tutor. Um, unfortunately, it's an enchantment, so it's like one of the easiest things to kill. Um, but just an overall great include, I think. Yeah, notably, I think with Freed from the Real Combos, this is a big upgrade because it makes X-Men of any one color. So that means that you can make double blue 
which then lets you go infinite in all colors, whereas in standard yeah. freed from the real, uh, you're yeah, kind of logged into really infinite green. a thing usually. that you can do yeah. with a two-mana big dork. Um, the only one that was yeah, able to lets... do that before was Incubation Druid, which needs its, uh, its evolved cost paid for before it can do that, so. Yeah. Notably, yeah, you can cast your Thrasios. Scales <laughs> with, with all of your whatever enchantments, like, yeah. Notably, cool. Sanctum Weaver now, um, if you are also playing, uh, oh, I actually totally forgot what it's called, but if you're playing, I'm, I'm going to find the card and then I'll tell you the meme. What does the card do? Oh, it's the, it's the, uh, green, white enchantment. Um, yeah, I'm dumb Sterling anyway. Grove? Sterling Grove? that's the one. Sterling Grove? You can now play yeah. Sterling Grove and it protects both pieces of your combo if you already have them in play. It has, gives it Shroud though, right? Yep. So you can't so put, you can't, you can't put a Freed on... Unless you flash it's, in, you can play freed. Yeah. yeah, nice. Uh, yeah. I like. I I think it's. I I was doing a bunch of thinking about this card, and I was like, "What's the? Where's the line where it becomes better than Bloom Tender?" Like, for example, I think you could make a decently compelling argument in something like a Thrasios Timna deck that tapping for double mana of any one color. Is better than a bloom tender making like Abzan off of, uh, like Just a, when you have like bloom tender Timna, Timna, yeah, or conceivably even like, you know, maybe maybe you have you have like bloom te- bloom tender like is it better if you have bloom tender Thrasios and like something white so you, you like it, double blue versus Bant you know like mm. like that it's it's certainly like an interesting analysis of where the cutoff on being able to actually make the colors you want versus sort of being locked into like this weird smattering of colors that you don't often want to use all at the same time. Um, I think that like, also I think yeah. that, that cutoff is is like I mean maybe not with Thrasios because like their just amount of mana is so important, but yeah. like in a lot of decks, uh, I think that that cutoff might wind up being like lower than than people initially sort of think of. I think the math also gets a lot better on it, though, when you, like, go down colors from four color, though. Like, as Bloom Tender gets worse as you move down colors, I think Sanctum Weaver gets a lot better, too. Yeah, that's that's also true, like, in two and three color decks. That yeah. Are yeah. Cool. Next up, Reed, you want to Sure, we got one? Tavern Scoundrel. One in a red for a 1-3 creature human rogue. Uh, whenever you win a coin flip, create two treasure tokens. One, tap, sack another permanent. Flip a coin. <laughs> Love this card. <laughs> it's, it's great. It's very cool. It's very, super very cool. Yeah. Um, I think the obvious, uh, the obvious thing that it, like a lot of people's minds are going to go to here is Kark Sakashima. Uh, I mean specifically Kark, but obviously Kark Sakashima does stupid things with this. Where um, as you're flipping coins in your combo turn, you're also like refunding mana on your one coin flips, and then like you actually just immediately go infinite. I think with like a twin flame or something like that. Um, plus Tavern Scoundrel. Which is, or like, probabilistically infinite, anyway. Um, I think the the one like sort of weird dynamic. Obviously, this still goes in the deck, but it makes kind of a weird dynamic where, like, it doesn't actually solve the issue. It doesn't solve the issue of you losing too many flips, and it doesn't solve the issue of you winning too many flips. Because when you lose too many yeah. flips, that's when you run out of mana, and when you win too many flips, that's when your cards don't go back to your hand. And it yeah. actually doesn't solve either of those problems, but obviously, um, like, it's sort of, it, assuming it, you're but it a... helps with the tip in the negative direction. I think, like, if you're still winning some number of flips, then this will pay for 
but like, like most the... of your spells are like at, at worst mana neutral so if you're winning like sure. one out of four flips you're fine anyways right it, it, it's but but what i'm saying is like with your copy spells this makes it a lot easier to go off right because if you're just like winning I mean, like, it's also just good with you're your winning commander, like though, one overall, flip right? then you're going infinite right yeah um, yeah. It helps get yeah, the ground. Also, and it's just also, that you get to just, bank, just really from too. just yeah. for a value player, right? Like just refunding your mana sometimes when you double your oh, spells. Oh yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Like no, it's just it, nuts. Yeah, it's definitely it's, it's definitely a very well. very strong card in the deck. I just like I found it a little bit interesting that like I think it, that it actually perfectly like doesn't solve either of the yeah. like it doesn't solve either of the <laughs> like the worst case scenarios. Yeah. Right, so, it it solves like it it makes it easier to just sort of play, but it doesn't solve either either of your your like your failure cases. I would say. Yeah, honestly, though, that keeps the deck interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if that if Krok Sakashima ever becomes like a linear like A plus B combo deck, I think I'm yeah. just done. Like I'm just That's... it becomes it becomes <laughs> so much less still, playable yeah. just because it's not interesting anymore. <laughs> Um, uh, and then Reed, you had, you had another. Yeah, so the other interesting thing with this is that uh, Taran Scoundrel is actually an A plus B combo with Frenetic Afreet, um, because Frenetic Afreet lets you flip an arbitrarily large number of coins um, with no downsides for losing coins aside from just losing it. But if you already have an infinite number of them on the stack, then whatever. Um, so you can make effectively infinite treasure tokens a vast, vast, vast majority of the time <laughs> with them uh, both. Um, which is actually interesting because they're both creatures and their CMC adds up to five mana and Tavern Scrounge is a sack outlet, which means Hulk time. Oh <laughs> um, my god. So this is actually sort of interesting. I haven't done a lot of testing with it, but I think in uh, Kenrith Hulk where you're already sort of doing like, you're doing Hulky stuff, but you're also doing some Staxy stuff. Um, it actually functions really nicely under Rule of Law when you already have a Kenrith out. Or if you don't have a Kenrith out already, um, but you like did some activated ability shenanigans to get Hulk die to die. Um, it's a good one. Um, yeah, and it's also, you can pile a Sylvan Safekeeper in with it so that they can't actually mess with it anyways, because there are some, like, niche ways that you can actually interrupt the combo if you, like, wait for the Frenetic for free to lose a flip and then die and then kill the Tavern Scoundrel so it doesn't see the rest of the coin flips and then they can't Okay, I have to object to calling a removal spell a niche way to interact with a <laughs> Well, yeah, <laughs> sure. Um... I, I'm if just saying, that, like, if, cast a removal if the spell wording, targeting if one the of the wording had worked, if the it. wording on Frenetic Afreet was a bit different, like, you wouldn't need the removal protection, but since it does need the removal protection, it's nice that you can pile in a Sotan Safekeeper with it. Um, and then you just make infinite mana anyway. Or infinite treasure, actually, which is actually a lot better, which means that even if you can't cast another spell, um, yeah. it's unlikely that people are going anything. to be able to, like, just completely shut off all your treasure. Because you'll be able to Play use whatever's in your hand. Progress. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the actual danger would be collector roof, but um, uh, or dockside, or, That's or also dockside a of their own. Um, but I mean, it's still yeah, you just take all your treasures with Kenrith and turn them it into is, plus one plus one. Counters. It is still a lot better than um, IMO anyway. It like it, it's nice under rule of law specifically because it means that you can just like bank your mana and then you can just like whenever you have the outlet, you can just use it then. Um, so that's pretty yeah, interesting. For sure. The, the other thing with this so, is also same set uh, Usury Fortune's Flame is being released. We're not going to read it because it's okay, a mess of keywords and like words and stuff, but it's a... It's it gives a, you five flips a turn. Yeah, it gives <laughs> you five coin flips a turn just for attacking uh, and it's in the colors, so it's certainly going to be fun in that where the best case scenario is like either Usury gives you an omniscience or like you just get like eight treasures or ten treasures or whatever off the Taran's Council, so... 
Cool. Uh, Matt, this is your card next, I believe. Yeah, just a quick uh, point to this. So Sithis, harvest, Harvests, and uh, Green and a White, 1-2. Uh, for a legendary enchantment creature, Nymph, uh, whenever you cast an enchantment spell, you gain a life and draw a card. So just one of, you know, the best, like, enchantment-type commanders, enchantress-type commanders you can pretty much play. Uh, yeah. It's exciting for people who like enchantment decks, I guess. <laughs> um, cool. Uh, next up, it's my card, and this is Grist, the Hunger Tide, which is a legendary Planeswalker Grist uh, for one and uh, black-green. has three loyalty, and it has a static text, which is, as long as Grist, the Hunger Tide, isn't on the battlefield, it's a 1-1 one, one insect creature in addition to its other types. It has a plus, which is create a 1-1 uh, one, one black and green insect creature token, then mill a card if it's an insect if an insect was milled this way you put a loyalty counter onto grist and repeat this process as a minus two uh you may sacrifice a creature when you do destroy target creature planeswalker minus five each opponent loses life equal to the number of creature cards in your graveyard so the relevant part of grist is that it's a creature anywhere outside of the uh, outside of the battlefield which includes on the stack by the way so you cannot force of negation or a fierce guardianship this card um but the relevant thing is I will be testing this in Gitrog as well as some other things because of uh, some of the cards we talked about earlier, notably uh, Douthy Voidwalker. Uh, Gitrog has been um, kind of getting uh, shit <laughs> Just on. Just absolutely uh, fucked by the asymmetrical uh, hate. Printing of Dranith, Opposition <laughs> Agent, Hull Breacher, um, uh, and then Douthy Voidwalker. Everyone's going to be main decking Rest in Peace, so this is just a... It turns all of our creature tutors into a way to answer these... Um, asymmetrical stacks pieces uh which is pretty cool um yeah and then i guess the plus it, uh, it has some cool things so uh oko is sometimes played in like grindier decks and then if you oko get rog that can be a massive pain in the ass uh grist is kind of a succinct answer because you can minus sack get rog kill the oko kills narsets which can sometimes be hard to remove for um for get rog uh tutoring the, the tutor removal stuff like the the ashiok op agent mind sensor Obviously, the benefit of being able to tutor Grist kind of gets negated by those, unless you're doing it in response, um, like a worldly tutor in response or, or survival or something like that. Um, and then there's a cute little thing with the mill where, you know, if you've got Gitrog in play, which can protect Grist fairly well, you can plus and then uh, if you mill a card, you mill a land, you draw a card, uh, and then you can repeat his effect potentially, which is, yeah. So it's just a... a we're not running it because it's a good value engine or whatever. We're running it because it's a highly tutorable piece of removal. Also, our and in green black, there's actually not that many. Like in 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 white decks, you could you could run Skyclave Apparition, which just solves so many more problems than Grist. Uh, unfortunately, we do not have that, so uh, we are forced. Oh to Oh my god! If like you mill your caustic <laughs> caterpillar, <laughs> you get dream. an extra mill. <laughs> you uh, get an extra mill. Value. Also of note, Grist cool. is our first non-humanoid planewalker. Planeswalker, I'm pretty sure. Um, as in it's a in massive in bugs. card form, <laughs> um, it is just yeah, it's a bunch of bugs. <laughs> um, also, the art is super dope. Oh yeah, I mean the art for all the versions <laughs> yeah. actually, because I think it has some alt arts. Um, all pretty sick. Yeah, cool. Uh, Morgan, your uh, card and the final one in the category. Yeah, my card is Dress Down. Uh, and it is uh, an enchantment that casts for one and a blue. It has flash. Uh, when Dressdown enters the battlefield, draw a card. Creatures lose all abilities. At the beginning of the end step, sacrifice Dressdown. So it's like a, a one-turn humility. Um, 
but it draws a card and it's two mana. So, like, I know we've talked a lot about um, the meme of, like, stifle. Uh, oh, you could stifle oracle triggers and dockside triggers and things like that. Um, and, and, you know, like, activations of various commanders. Dressdown does a lot of that, um, but it also draws a card, and that's, like, a very important <laughs> distinction. Um, kind of reminiscent of Shadow of Doubt, then, in that yeah, sense, Yeah, right? it's, it's kind of like Shadow of Doubt. Uh, it's a lot easier to cast, uh, because it's not two colored pips. Um, and it just, like, there's also some, you know, quasi-interesting um things you could try and do with it if you have like ways to stifle because it's a permanent well stifling the trigger doesn't it's like it triggers every end step unfortunately but yeah yeah um like i I was looking at it um you can play it in the end step in moldrotha which is kind of funny because it it doesn't sack Uh, until the next end step so and just like blank the next person's creatures um also, but if yeah, you have like, like if you have a way of winning without creatures, you can flash this in in your like opponent's end step right before your turn, and then it'll persist. It'll persist through your turn. Yeah, it it also like it gives you it gives you a chance to deal with stuff like uh like Razaketh. Um, like obviously it doesn't solve the problem because they still have a Razaketh in play, but you know they reanimate Razaketh. You play this, then you can try and remove the Razaketh somehow. Uh, without them just being able, being able to like tutor answers in response, uh, it deals with Hulk. Um, yeah, it's just like it. It probably it's certainly not going to be a staple, but like it's an interesting. Um, it's an interest. Like I like cards like this where where it's like it's slightly less generically useful than like a lot of the interaction that's run, but it has like this added benefit. Um, so if you have a deck that's like trying to solve specific problems and also wants the value of of drawing a card, uh, might be one to keep an eye out on. Yeah, I've seen people suggesting this in decks where I don't think it's actually that good. Um, but you know, a lot of the cases where you just brought up are, are actually pretty interesting. Like, I don't think this is like a mono blue staple or anything. Like the the thing, the fact that it doesn't permanently answer the creature, and then often when you're wanting to answer a creature, it's just not doing anything. It kind of just turns into that like stifle that's drawing a card and that's it could be it could be sort of cool in like non-shimmer mirror zero builds so like if you're just playing like pure doomsday zero this could be sort of interesting i guess it, yeah, it, it sort of messes that. with your own oracle but i'm assuming you like you might be able to find ways around that or so you could pile through it i'm yeah. assuming it, it's just like sort of um, interesting there and just like something that you can get with a zero to deal with a bunch of rule flaws or stacks effects or whatever yeah um cool so, and then finally we have our uh, mini covering of some Strixhaven cards. It's sort of like a Strixhaven uh, retrospective multiple... rather than a review since yeah, we've yeah. had these cards legal for a bit at this point. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. We, we get to, we get, we have the hindsight. So all of these have been kind of speculation on what we think, how the cards will play out. And the Strixhaven lets us, we, we've had some experience playing with these cards so we can actually speak using actual experience, which is awesome. Um, but yeah, we just haven't had the opportunity to talk about Strixhaven that much because, um, of the way our episodes have been scheduled so and also like it would be like a mini topic anyway there's not that much to cover in Strixhaven but yeah um first up I guess I guess I'll start first uh we've got uh Flame Scroll Celebrant slash Revel in Silence it's a dual face card so Flame Scroll Celebrant 2-1 um basically the front side is irrelevant it's except for the fact that it costs for one and a red and then the back side for double white uh, your opponents can't cast spells or activate Planeswalker loyalty, loyalty, loyalty abilities this turn. Exile Revel in Silence. So it's another Silence uh, if you're in Boros Colors, um, but casting for uh, double white. Um, Bit which rough, is, honestly, but no. it's pretty good. 
it's I mean it's I, fine. I do you... I do think it's worth noting that like Flame Scroll Celebrant is a hate piece against like certain combos. Yeah. Um Bomberman, uh Scepter combos, um uh like Dockside, uh like Team Saber 2, like ML or whatever. Yeah. Uh like so so it can be situationally relevant. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know, Reed, you said it's rough because Silence is a playable card in, in good color decks. Um yeah. which does certainly the, the the thing is is if you're in non blue and you're in need of protection, um Revel and Silence if you're it's in the colors fine. Or something to like it's I at. think you probably just yeah. go to Granite Abolisher before this and Granite Abolisher is like already hard enough to cast. So I'm not sure if yeah, you want this, really... but it's like yeah. They're already a plenty I, 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 of, like, I think the different mm. There are already kind of plenty yeah. of creature tutorable creature tutorable silences too. It's just, yeah. So I understand where you're I mean, coming like from. Mardu, that, like Mardu, I think this is a, a decent. I get uh, that like there's a destructive Mardu. element to this as well that isn't there with Grand Abolisher, but it's like, I th- which I I, I value. You might have actually. enough. I like personally. Honestly, I think I think the real comparison is that it's just so much worse than Ranger Captain of Aos. Oh yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, it's significantly worse than. Ranger I will Captain. say that like obviously I've liked this in Cole, but that's just because like it's a hate piece that you can stick and then clamp it and get back a silence <laughs> afterward. Oh, but like, my God, I just realized something. I I didn't mention that as percentile is ranger captainable. What am I? Is. What am I doing? Oh my god! Oh yeah, <laughs> dude. In your yeah. in your I four color said, deck, I almost said it. In your four it, color like, deck, you know what? No, I'm just get cast ranger no captain in your four color you deck for back. one white white, and then get your white casting one drops for a total of white yeah. white white one in your four color <laughs> sword <laughs> deck. Dude, just play jubilation <laughs> or play angel of jubilation. Why not? Yeah. Okay, uh, next up, uh, I guess. Sure. Yeah. Uh, Culling Ritual. Two black-green sorcery. Destroy each non-land permanent with my cost, or just meta cost uh, two or less. Um, add a black or green for each permanent destroyed this way. So I think the kind of theorized way of playing this card was to cast a Culling Ritual and then a Mnemonic Betrayal and kind of recast everyone's permanents. The kind of two combo, right? I mean... Uh, I, thought, I thought it was with Peer, wasn't it? What Peer and Nas? I... It honestly, like, doesn't matter hugely what you're casting off of it, as long as you're making some reasonable use yeah. of the mana. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't I don't even know how bad it feels to just, like, wipe everyone's crypts and, like, wipe everyone's fast mana, slam Thrasios and activate it once or twice. Or, like, slam Thrasios and Timna, or, like, yeah. whatever. I've, I've certainly been think, impressed uh, by I mean, seeing Calling Ritual cast, <laughs> like, when it resolves. Yeah, I've seen a lot. I've seen a lot of them try and like get get countered. Yeah, honestly, yeah I've yeah. seen a lot of them not resolve, which I think meaningfully is like <laughs> that means the card's pretty good. <laughs> Look at how your opponents, vo- you know, it's like see how people vote with their wallet or their feet or whatever. Yeah, how do your opponents vote with their counter spells? What kind of decks um, are casting this this spell though? A lot of like peer like, stuff, peer decks, Nas decks. Ikram is on it right now, which is like you know, I think I think a lot but of do people you just can get to the point where like. Do you just get to the point where you have your artifacts and creatures in play, and then it's not worth it anymore? Well, that de- that deck doesn't that's really in play green, a lot. It can be a problem. It, yeah. like, like specifically Ikrakram, which a lot of people uh, would place in like probably top three decks in the format right now, um, doesn't really play a lot of stuff that it actually cares about going away. Especially if this is resolving, just because you have like enough mana that it doesn't matter anymore, and you're casting yeah, like, like, your like if, if this resolves and you have the actual payoff spell, then like. Wiping everyone's artifacts and enchantments is, or like everyone's, you know, mana accelerants and whatnot, is like a price you're willing to pay. 
Yeah, and I'll, yeah. and sometimes it can clear the like stacks effects that might be hindering you, like yeah. a, uh, you know, null rod. I mean, it's certainly it's certainly difficult to cast this under a null rod considering it's four mana, and you're like you're not guaranteed to have the mana to actually cast it if something's messing with your mana. But like when you can, it's certainly a great way to like unlock a bunch more mana, right? Oh yeah, yeah. I think yeah, card is clearly powerful, but you don't. It's not like a, a green black staple. Like I, I we I know we had discussed this in in Gitrog a bit. Um, it's like we're not running pier. I mean, I mean you're we're casting Eldrazi Titan. We're definitely like, or you could you could play Gitrog and, and combo using that excess mana, but it's not like obvious that this card should be. In, in we're definitely yeah, when playing it in Veral's. Under two CMC mana. Uh, yeah, we're definitely playing it in Veral's right now, just because I mean, heart casting a Holocaust of Culling Ritual is pretty nice, and you, like you have enough dumps for the mana in the yeah. deck that like it's reasonable just to play it. Um, yeah, clear some hate pieces. Cool. Yeah, Quick tip nice though. Um, Casting Culling Ritual into Razaketh, not actually that great. <laughs> I've seen a lot of people suggest that one. I've got uh, all my three CMC creatures out, though. <laughs> I'm not saying it'll never work. <laughs> yeah. um, cool. Uh, next, we've got... Uh... Witherbloom Apprentice. We do. Sure. So, uh, Witherbloom Apprentice is a 2-2 human druid that casts for a green and a black, and it has Magecraft. Whenever you cast or copy an instant or sorcery spell, each opponent loses one life, and you gain one life. So, like, if you think about it, right, over the course of a game, this could be draining your opponents for, like, 10 plus life, just, like, really putting pressure on oh, their yeah. nozzles and... Yeah, basically, basically two CMC gutter sniped. Yeah, so I mean, so over, the, <laughs> over the course of the game, after you cast this, it, like I've, I've, I, I can imagine it just killing people off of casting spells, right? Uh, yeah, so absolutely. flusterstorm, huge, yeah. huge. So obviously, <laughs> the, uh, actually huge though. The 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 thing with this card is that it combos with uh, chain of smog. Chain of smog is target player discards two cards, then they may copy the spell. Um, and unlike all the other chain cards, there's no cost to copying the spell, so you can just target yourself, and then just keep copying it. You have no cards in hand, doesn't matter, keep copying it, and since Witherbloom Apprentice triggers on the copy, you kill your opponents by draining them out. Um, this combo has been compared to a lot of things, many of which I would say Dude, are wildly, <laughs> wildly inappropriate. I'd say uh, probably... It just makes sense. Thoracle Consult is an A plus B. This uh, is an A plus B. Probably the closest Easy. comparison Therefore. I'd say is Bomberman. I, I was going to say, yeah, Bomberman is really close because it wrecks your hand. I mean, it's... it's, it's, it's super they're both for yeah. CMC. They both just absolutely wreck your hand. <laughs> like, But the one, thing, the one thing is actually Bomberman is actually more resilient than Witherbloom Apprentice because... It can't. You can you can restart it if there's a counter spell on your LEDs, right? If you have enough mana, Witherbloom Apprentice, you can't. Yeah. <laughs> if, and, if, you're, if you're chain, if they wait till you're you're hell bent and then they counter your chain of smog, you're SOL. Yeah, like there, there's not really a way in Bomberman that you wind up with both pieces and your entire hand in the graveyard. And like, yeah, you can play through if they try and counter the LED, you can play through that with extra mana. Um which, like, often they're forced to just because it's hard to counter creature spells. Uh, also, in terms of the removal that Witherbloom Apprentice dies to, um, there's actually, like, not a lot. Freaking everything. There's not a lot that kills Oriox Salvagers. Um, when compared and there's to not a lot like that any... doesn't kill Witherbloom Apprentice. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So... Also, it's super vulnerable to all kinds of... of, um, of uh, I guess it's not... The copies of Dodge... Um, 
like it, the, the, if you develop the Witherbloom Apprentice and try and chance smog in the same turn, it's weak to um, Rule of Laws. Um, it's it's weak to all all like all kinds of uh, it's like weak to every basically every form of counter magic. Um, it, it dies to deflecting SWAT and misdirection. Um, like it, it's a <laughs> super. Actually it's actually combo. It's actually insanely good to have a deflecting SWAT versus this combo because you both yeah. take one <laughs> opponent completely out of the game and then you just double discard another. Also, opponent. mind rot on opponent <laughs> yeah. for value. Yeah. Um. Yeah. yeah I, I think that this this combo should not be played. I also, think. also, this is if you have more life than your opponents, you can actually just win the game on the spot if you have a way to stop the combo. Because you just wait for your opponents yeah. to... Like, you wait for your opponents who aren't playing Wither Chain to die, and then stop the Wither Chain, and then it's you versus an opponent with no cards in hand. Yeah, and then also, <laughs> both halves of the combo are kind of just crap cards. Yeah, yeah. so, I mean, this was this is, like, one of the things, though, that people were but talking Flusterstorm. about. was that, like, Chain of Smog isn't actually terrible in Gitrock Monster, because it is technically... No, it is. It well, is. it's technically a discard outlet. Or the deck. Not really. It, it doesn't. It, it you run. You can't. You can't actually loop it without running into slow play. Sure, but I mean, it's like. So I think the one place that I've sort of like Witherbloom though is like in decks that like in low color green black decks that like just need a second win, which is not a lot. <laughs> No. Um, is there even one example? Yeah, not really. I mean, the other. The I other, briefly yeah. considered it for Moldrotha, where like, the other the downside is somewhat negated. But the other sort of place for it is that, like, like reasonably, you can play this in like uh, non-blue Adnaz lists, where you like don't have good compact post-Nas combos to actually win the game, and like it's the sort of like the the risk of doing it post Nas is sort of mitigated because most people would just counter the ad Nas. Um, so like, yeah, you're only I think that's really the only legitimate example. Yeah, yeah. I mean, okay. I, I do also have to say like, it is a two card four mana combo. Yeah. Like there, there is a floor. It's obviously like a very vulnerable combo and like getting stopped is worse than it is with a lot of other combos. But like, there is a floor on, on how bad a two mana A plus B, especially one that doesn't require activating any abilities, can be. Yeah. Yeah. It in doesn't... terms of combos that that if your opponents are completely tapped out and have no interaction at all in their hand, you know, the mana efficiency is nice. But uh, otherwise, I think it's just terrible. It's definitely one of the best combos that I'm never going to play. Yep. And with that, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, this is actually, actually yeah, a Morgan, Morgan. You can. This yeah. was your card you want to talk yeah, about as well. Yeah. So. Uh, so this is a different card with Magecraft. Uh, it's Stormkiln Artist. It's a two. Uh, sorry, it's a dwarf. It's a two-two dwarf shaman. Casts for three and a red. A Stormkiln Artist gets plus one plus zero oh for each artifact you control. And Magecraft, whenever you cast or copy an instant or sorcery spell, create a treasure token. So this is like a lot of mana to get online and get going. But once you do. My goodness, yeah. is that a very powerful effect? Like, it's it's a colored helm of awakening at the very like one sided colored helm of awakening at the very worst, and then uh, when you're when you're just banking the treasures because like you you don't need them, 
uh, it gets insane. If you have anything that copies spells, that could be Flusterstorm, that could be like some, you know, potentially like a Krark, or like I've, I've been playing it in Calamax, um, then like it just starts to get out of control unbelievably quickly. And like, even though that deck isn't actually playing a huge number of artifacts, or the version I was on wasn't, like, I think I was on, like, eight. There were a bunch of times where, like, I just have Storm Stormkiln Artist, and then I'd attack with it, and then someone would be like, how much am I taking? I'd be like, uh, nine? Yeah, like, just a bunch. <laughs> it's it's just a whole bunch. Um, I think it's nice and, for, uh, yeah, just, like, specifically decks that have, like, pre-existing like synergies with copying spells or whatever like they like copy spells just off the cuff or treasure synergy yeah it's also it's also like very nice it's very nice for like decks that want to for whatever reason uh want to be casting cards across multiple turns so like also something like a four color rashmi i could see where like instead of having to hold up five mana to like cast a spell on each of your opponent's turns you just kind of get to like bank some treasures and and refund them across uh multiple turns uh rather than like yeah. things that make a whole bunch of mana all at once that are like yeah really only useful for casting a bunch of spells in the main phase cool cool so Lyndon, um, would you I like to a... run through your brawl gauntlet real quick yeah <laughs> I'll, I'll stop at the the final yeah, card great. i'll get, i'll run through three in yeah. a row three in a row and then someone else can get the last one cool so first up is Resculpt, which is uh, one in a blue instant exile target artifact or creature. Its controller creates a 4-4 four, four blue and red elemental creature token. Um, they printed uh, Raven Form in Call Time. That was a three-mana sorcery that did the same thing, but made a 1-1 one, one bird instead. Um, the ability to remove artifacts and or creatures, uh, well, specifically artifacts in mono blue, uh, is actually you know kind of lacking, and, and this is a really nice tool. So played in Brawl, I also have been just slamming it in like all kinds of different mono blue decks because there's actually lots of artifacts that can stop you and you just have a difficult time removing them outside of bounce and a permanent way to remove them is nice. Next, uh, Archmage Emeritus. Uh, for two and a, a two and double blue, it's a 2-2 human wizard with Magecraft. Whenever you cast or copy an instant or sorcery spell, draw a card. This card has been insane um, in Brawl, uh, but also in, in other decks that I've been uh, looking at and, and, and uh, brewing. Uh, it's the amount the, the card advantage that this thing generates is um almost unparalleled i think if if you're if you're have if you're can make this thing work um i am manually drawing through my entire deck to get a thassa's oracle using this card um i've done that multiple times it's insane and and then sometimes the win condition is literally you're getting decked by your emeritus cuz it's not a may um, or so your opponent's win condition can be you decking yourself so if a card decking you is a uh, a problem and, and something your opponents are looking at, uh, that kind of speaks to just how insanely powerful this card can be. Um, and then I guess, Morgan, uh, Reed, uh, you guys have played against me with Emeritus. How does it feel to see an Emeritus on the opposing side? Usually pretty bad, yeah, I mean, but I feel like the... It's better than Rashmi. The true... <laughs> the true uh, demonstration of its absurd draw power is that uh, I was playing a game with uh, on Team Turn 3 with Reed and Pongo, and there were just a bunch of rule of laws in play, and I was playing Orvar, so I was dead in the water. We all knew we were going to die to Pongo eventually. So I went like, I wonder if with Orvar and Archmage Emeritus, under a rule of law, I can deck myself before he kills me. 
And the answer was absolutely I could. <laughs> like, yeah, I was, like, uh, just drawing so... It draws so many cards so easily. It's just a yeah, meter uh, this, mono You know, there's memes about... Stable. Yeah, there, there, there's uh, memes about blue ad nauseum. You know, oh, it's recurring insight, blah, 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 yeah. different things. Uh, the real blue ad nauseum <laughs> is Archmage Emeritus and Flusterstorm. Uh, <laughs> yeah, wow. uh, yeah. The key, the key to me drawing my deck several times has been uh, Archmage Emeritus, uh, Flusterstorm, draw, you know, a bunch of cards, then remand my Flusterstorm to my hand, and then Flusterstorm again. And, it's like, and the copies are all, like, half looting through Baral, because one copy, like, one counters the other, and then, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's dope. Okay. Um, next card is solve the equation. So for uh, two and a blue sorcery, search your library for an instant or sorcery card, reveal it, put it into your hand, then shuffle. Uh, so this card is just really freaking good. Uh, not just in Baral, but in all sorts of mono blue decks. Um, the one thing I will uh, that's interesting is I think people are maybe overvaluing Spellseeker unless you're taking advantage of the body or like the fact that it's like you know tutorable or a wizard somehow. Um, I've seen decks still cling on to Spellseeker but not running Solve the Equation, um, and that's just not correct, in my opinion. Um, the cards serve, like, at base, Solve the Equation is a better card uh, for its, you know, mana cost and effect, but then unless, uh, if you want to take advantage of what Spellseeker is doing, then obviously Spellseeker uh, comes out, but definitely look at, if you're running Spellseeker or you're looking for more tutors, um, look at Solve the Equation and, and see how it fits into your deck. This card is just excellent. Yeah, and it finds uh, step through, which finds spell seeker. Yes, so. it definitely does find step through. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh yeah, and yeah, emeritus is like one of the biggest reasons why you'd run like step through or Vidalcan Aether Mage. This card is just Isle Tutor for this card all day, every day. It's insane. Um, and yeah, cool. Next up, we have yeah. I think I think final one. Yep. I think that this card is like uh, of the the three mana like type restricted reveal tutor sorceries i think that this one's probably the best oh yeah um so you know like like uh between like idyllic tutor and fabricate and like that sort of stuff i think that this this card is like just so much more flexible than than either of those and those are both cards that have historically seen play in like the low color decks that that care about that permanent type uh and mono or like that card type and uh mono blue decks as a general rule, tend to care about instants and sorceries. Mm -hmm. Um, cool. Our final card. Uh, whoever takes it first gets. Yeah. It. So this is the one that like has sort of had the most discussion going around it from Strixhaven. I'd say. Um, this is Wandering Archaic. Five mana for four four creature avatar. Uh, whenever an opponent casts an instant or sorcery spell, they may pay two. If they don't, you copy that spell, or you may copy that spell, rather, and then you may choose new targets for this copy. It's also technically a flip card with an instant or sorcery, or, uh, sorry, rather, um, sorcery on the backside doesn't actually matter. It's bad. It's, like, some bad group hug sorcery. I've cast it once yeah, in Yeah, it's bad. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I whiffed. Uh, <laughs> so this one is sort of interesting in that, like, it was... When it was first spoiled, there was a lot of discussion around, like, whether or not it's actually good enough to see play in a lot of decks. Um, the fact that it's five mana definitely sets it back a fair amount. Um, but, I mean, it being a creature, you can tutor for it in a lot of green decks. Um, there, it's, like, asymmetrical. You don't... Like, there's no deck-building restriction to having it in your deck. Um, there were a lot of comparisons to stuff like Seedborn Muse just because of the mana slot and, like, the nature of its grindiness. Um, I think the main arguments were between, like, whether or not it would actually be a relevant enough ability because, um, 
obviously the whole thing is that it's like it's a one-sided um like double thorn of amethyst until it's not like until somebody so, casts I, I, like yeah. something that gets by it or something like that um no so i want to i want to jump in on that if that's okay because i've seen that comparison a lot and and the card that would be a comparison to that would be god pharaoh statue which is literally just a asymmetrical thorn of amethyst double thorn of amethyst uh, actually yeah, yeah. Uh, not thorn of amethyst sphere actually, resistance um, but uh, the, 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 yeah yeah sphere but uh the one thing i would like to point out with this is that when you're doing that it can have a sort of similar effect to playing a defense grid and passing where if your next opponent like people are passing the turn on the assumption that they're going to have a certain amount of mana untapped and available to them and then if all of a sudden that that calculation gets changed because you just played a double sphere resistance, uh, you can be handing the game to the next player who has the, enough mana to play their Thoracle Consult through the um, through the double sphere. Or they're playing like something now, like Now, Wandering Hulk Archaic is, is actually much different. Sorry. Or they're playing something like Hulk or, or something or play just, something. Like, doesn't really care about taxes. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now, the Wandering Archaic is actually... It, and, and so then tapping out for something like that would not be advisable because then you're becoming the the solo player who's who's reliant on doing that on, on interacting now wandering archaic is actually much different because it is optional so uh and and you get to um you get to control how things how things are being copied so you're always going to be taxing the player who's trying to win and and not just taxing them but you are going to be being a boon to the other players who are um yeah, trying so to interact this, this so is the other side the this is the other side of the argument which is that um the idea is that wandering archaic taxes the player attempting to win and then doubles up on the interaction that's interacting with them it's sort of like um how like trinosphere works in urza where trinosphere is on and it's on and it's on while you're casting your tutor and then like your whatever ritual that gets by it and then like your two win pieces and then it's off as soon as like anybody has time to interact with you so, like, it's, your stuff's three yeah. mana, that one's three mana, that one's three mana, that one's three mana. And if you ca you've, like, spent 12 mana to cast your, like, one CMC uh, combo pieces, and then it's off and everybody else can cast interaction without paying for the Trinosphere. Um, like, Wandering Archaic yeah, has so a very similar to... thing going with it, where it's like, yeah, it's on for you all the time as the person trying to win, and then it's both off and is actually, like, doubling down on the... Um, amount of interaction coming your way when somebody is trying to interact with you. So yeah, the, the, I think I think the comparison to Seedborn Muse is maybe not doing it justice because Seedborn Muse is kind of a much stronger card. Um, but the the effect that it can have of you get to play your threat, develop it, and then also be able to interact or hold up mana on your opponent's turn. Well, you're not actually holding up mana uh, using the Wandering Archaic. You do get to contribute towards stopping your opponent. So it is a somewhat reasonable threat to tap out and play for, with the exception that people might want to counter it. Um, yeah. Uh, Wandering Archaic, I've been impressed when I see it in games um, so far. Oh, I definitely haven't. Oh really? Yeah, no, I, I've, I'm, I like wasn't super high on the card to begin with, and I, I don't think, I'm not gonna say I've gone down on it, but I, I like, I've seen it go to a lot of effort. Um, it's obviously like has a, an enormous gilded Drake me painted on it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It, it just there's there's like a lot of, a lot of things that can go wrong when you play that card and like it's a five mana card that doesn't do anything until your opponents decide to let it do something yeah 
Uh, well, I mean, there's, there's I, definitely, I think your there's opponent's definitely, deciding to let it do there's something. There's definitely issues yeah, with it that, that's not a quite that I've seen, um, like versus decks that don't necessarily leverage instant and sorceries particularly well and are doing like a lot of like artifact or creature-based stuff instead. Where like, if you're winning with primarily creatures, like Modern Arcade doesn't really help with that that much, aside from like sometimes doubling up on interaction. Yeah, I think I think you you run it because of the doubling up on interaction and then taxing like tutors and stuff. That's that's about it. I think it plays a lot better when you actually do have counter spells that you can use to potentially you know stop Gilded Drakes, and then if your opponent's trying to fight back, you can get that tax effect. But yeah, it's 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 not it's not like a flawless card. You know, it's definitely it's definitely got problems. But I've been impressed. Not I don't know how to. I've been I think it's. It's decent. I don't think it's like you know, all star is is as I put it. Um, cool, cool, cool. So that does it for our uh, two set discussions, not reviews. Uh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> Sorry, huge, I, huge. I, I think I missed the discussion. Is the only reason we're calling them set discussions and not set reviews because we said we weren't doing set reviews anymore? Correct. <laughs> Basically, yeah. But don't okay. don't call us. All right, yeah. that that's fine. I just wanted to Dude, make sure i was on the same page out. as everyone else the first thing that happened this episode was linden called us out <laughs> um okay uh so yeah that wraps up the main topic which means it's time for everyone's favorite segment gut check gut check gut check gut check loving the energy as always Every, Morgan. everyone showed um, up yeah <laughs> Uh, so this week's gut check is for each other person, you need to say what deck feels the most theirs, right? Like when you yeah. think of them, what, what, or when you, when, yeah, when, when you, when you think about the other members of the podcast, what deck is theirs? Yeah. Um, so it's Lyndon Muldrotha, Morgan Hulk, and, uh, do we, do we have to oh, say, is it like, <laughs> is it like a named <laughs> deck? what do you mean like like commander's strategy like named list um i was gonna do for myself i was gonna do commander slash like named okay or like it doesn't like strategy kind of thing yeah yeah. okay i can't confirm we have not done this one yet okay so i've got mine and I think they're the same as Matt's. I think we all <laughs> might have the same ones, but <laughs> uh, rut row, rut row. That's fine. I I got mine locked in. I think. This is this is these are these are tricky quests. Some of these are tricky. Some of them not so much. But ready. Okay, so after some deliberation, everyone's got their uh, got got their their choices. So I'll start. Um, my choice for uh, Matt is mono blue teferi um obviously like for, he played teferi for so long um and and one of the first decks i ever saw him play was mono blue tron which kind of feels like thematic to uh mono blue teferi the natural progression yeah. and did yeah. um, commander yeah reed i'm very tempted to say Viral's hulk but i i think it's just got to be shuffle mm. hulk um yeah you just that 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 just screams you to me um and then for morgan it would be uh uh muldrotha interesting yeah 
I, it was it was between Mildrotha or Marisil, but Marisil like Marisil's your casual deck, and I just thought I'd stick with the CDH theme. I guess that's fair. Yeah. Um, okay, Matt, you're up. Sure. Well, for Linden, you guessed it. I put Godo. I'm just kidding. I put Gitrog. <laughs> um, classic Linden staple. Um, yeah. But you know what? You you've been talking about other decks recently, and I'm I'm proud of your transition. You know. Oh, Yay. just kidding. <laughs> uh, so for Morgan, I have Muldrotha as well, but I, I would rather put Cats, because I feel like Cats is more. Like, your versions, your version of Cats is, like, gonna be the best one, so I think that makes you kind of own that. And then, yeah, Reed, I had Shuffle Hulk. Not a question. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just the one. Um... Yeah, so I had, yeah, Linden on Gitrog, obviously. Um, Matt, I actually had on Thras Bruce. I just, I felt like you were having a lot more fun with Thras Bruce than, like, any of the Mono Blue stuff that you had played. And you, I, I, for, for as long as I've known you anyway, you played it for probably the most out of anybody. Um, and for Morgan, I think I would actually yeah. split between, um, between like the current Morgan deck, which is Muldrotha, and what I think is overall, so Wait, what? That's the current me deck. Yes, because I played like three games. Because you played it, it last night. No, yeah, so yeah. I'm about. I'm actually gonna say like, uh, you know, I'll say the overall Morgan deck. I think, I think it was pro. I'll probably say Kess. I, you know what, man? I don't know. I. You, you may have played that deck. I, for actually, a long I don't. Time know. Like, really I think that's it. like the. It doesn't scream. But yeah. I don't think that really like matches your personality or like how I think I, it is. I agree. Play. I agree um, wholeheartedly. I, I don't know. I, I I still sort of internally think of Morgan as a Kess player, IMO, which is a player that is very you should take conservative in when they hold up <laughs> interaction and is very easy to bully and likes to yell at me when I make his life hard <laughs> by sandbagging. <laughs> and that just screams cast to me. <laughs> Dude, I, I remember the exact moment that Morgan decided he was going to make cast, actually. Uh, it was I don't, I don't. in the car, um, driving... Um, um, driving Liam back to uh, the base, I think, on the way back in the car. We were talking about um, Dex, and I think Morgan was like, he essentially said, like, like uh, Kess had pretty much just been spoiled, and I think he's like, yeah, I'm, like, looking at Kess, and I kind of want to just make a Storm deck. I'm like, cool. Well, no, because I, <laughs> I built Maris... I, I, I don't think it had late. just been spoiled, because I built Marisil first. Um, but then I was like, yeah, I have I, I have Kess. And then I remember, Matt, you, like, pulled out your, like, box of good cards that you weren't using to, like, supplement the cards that I had. And then we were just like oh. <laughs> sitting at our table putting together a cast deck. Nice. I was tempted to say Marisil because I think Morgan answered this because this is not what I I felt to be true. I don't know if this is actually true. If Marisil was like was was more competitive, would you would you be playing Marisil in CDH? Uh, I feel like the grindy play I, style I and, and just think, absolute well, misery that you inflict on your opponents. I is... think I think that like if Marisol <laughs> was more competitive, it would not be in the way that Marisol is like. I have it the built in casual. Like um, yeah. I, like okay, I I do see how like, uh, picking Muldrotha for me is like 
the the whole like inevitability aspect um but i think that like like that is a thing i feel like that's a thing that i care about more in casual than i do in competitive mm -hmm. um if Daxos were playable in CDH, absolutely, we play Dax. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, so uh, I guess now here I have to, I have to come in and, and shake things up. So uh, for for Lyndon, I put Anafensa. Um, and the reason no, I did that, the, the reason I did that is because I think that you really enjoy the like one of the things in your decks is like the challenge of uh internal tension is something that you like actively sort of like seek out and you try and find and optimize these decks that are like i'm playing stuff that ostensibly interferes with me but you know it's worth it because of these reasons and i can play around it in these ways um mm -hmm. plus it captures your uh spirit as just the dirtiest metagaming scumbag on the planet uh mr yeah. i didn't put reverent silence in to counter your daxos enchantment deck uh you know that's the <laughs> just I, I truly spirit. didn't i truly didn't uh -huh. but i just didn't know better uh-huh um <laughs> for matt uh i've got a bit of an oddball which is uh elsha and nice. i so i i think that like that kind of commander that's like both value engine and combo piece uh is something that i sort of associate with you and the way you've played like that was true to an extent of teferi it's obviously true in your like infinite mana combo Thrasios, sporting yeah. thrasios deck um and i feel like of all the decks i've ever seen you play elsha was the one that you were most disappointed that like you couldn't really make work very well yeah, Elsha was like so nice on paper, man. Yeah, it has everything. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then, and then I activated top and saw three lands too many times. <laughs> uh, and then Reed, you get shuffle hold. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> shuffle. It was just it was so, custom built to represent me. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, just the, the fact that like you had been playing D and V beforehand and like. Like honestly, I, I feel like play, saying Varals would also just be like, because that's I feel like that's the root, right? Oh yeah, like that's that's Varals the is the root, root cause. Right? And of, it's it's, yeah. it's come full circle. Yeah, we we've come full circle. So like honestly, I I could I could see changing my answer to uh, to Varals, and also just because I have a Varals holds a sentimental place mm -hmm. in my heart as my first true CDH deck. So, um, I guess I honestly one thing I actually want to say before we kind of close out the show is give what 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 does everyone does anyone think that like one of these answers actually represents them the best or have they changed their view or like did someone not say something that they think is actually true to them because i think after morgan said anafenza i think that pick is actually top tier so like i i would i would change my internal answer to anafenza if, if that's you know after hearing morgan's justification and then matt has three different decks listed for him so yeah. i'm interested to see what he i want to be known for natural ordering and nick's blue mansion so reed wins <laughs> yep <laughs> I knew nice. it. I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> Reed, you have a uh, shuffle hulk, shuffle hulk, yep, shuffle hulk. Definitely uh, do. Which one? I I think anybody that's known me for any period of time just knows that like it shuffle hulk fully represents what I'm about. <laughs> that deck was, Honestly, uh, yeah. 
when Linda said Shovel Hulk, I, I considered just before Matt or I had even said anything, just filling in the table with Shovel Hulk. <laughs> <laughs> like, I just made a little table to, to track our answers for, for when we do, like, the when we actually release the episode. Um, and I was like, yeah, let's, we all know what's going to happen here. And Morgan, what about you? I don't know. I, I like, think Kurt I... Curveball us, and it's really Holland. Honestly, it might be. <laughs> I was also considering like just like, like teamer <laughs> in general. I I feel like it's I, an I actually like passion. it's not I've, a teamer. I just like a this question has been posed to me a few times in a few different ways, and like particularly recently when I have been played like I for there was a long time where like Kess was the deck I'd played more than anything else by like a hugely lo- wide margin. Uh, but now that I, like, haven't played it really as much in the last two years, uh, I actually don't know. Like, I see I see why you guys he's said... Lost, he's a lost soul. I see why you Who guys said Majorca, because, like, there is that element of, like, me and inevitability, and some of that's, like, the that's captured even when I don't play decks with it. I think I capture that in the way that I play a little bit. Um, it's also the deck that kind of, like got your name out i think a little, a bit. little bit yeah um but like obviously i it's not a deck that i've played nearly as much as like some other things um and yeah i i don't know i i really don't it also just highlights that you know sometimes morgan is just a timmy at heart and wants to play big creatures uh-huh. yeah and reed is the exact opposite and, <laughs> <likes winning>. and <laughs> reed's the worst <laughs> They need a psychographic um, profile for being the worst. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, um, that about wraps it up for this episode. If you guys would like to reach out to us with any questions, comments, or concerns, you can contact us on Twitter at IntoNorthPod, via our email, IntoNorthPodcast at gmail.com, or on our Discord server, the invite link for which can be found in the description for this episode. Next special thanks to all of our patrons who help cover the expenses for our show and allow us to work towards improving the quality of the podcast. If you too would like to become a patron, we are at patreon.com slash into north podcast. Another way you can support us is via our TCG player affiliate link. So anytime you want to purchase something from TCG player, if you use our affiliate link, which is in the podcast slash YouTube description, a portion of your purchase goes towards supporting the podcast. So please do go bookmark it or something. It, it, it does help. Um, yeah, uh, and thank you as always to the band Vox Cadre for our lovely podcast music, to Nate Slover for our equally lovely podcast logo, and to our video editor, Manta Ray Hat. The next episode will be out in two weeks. Until then, see you. Wow. Peace.